Welcome to the Krug Show, the big show, Thursday night. Jesse in the house, coach is in the house. No Vish tonight. Vish, our world traveler, is continuing to travel the world. But we will welcome him back with open arms when he does come back. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome to the big show. We do it every Thursday night. It's one of my favorite streams of the week. Coach and has replaced Vish the last few weeks. And, of course, Jesse, a regular, and we chop it up. And this week, fellas, we've got a big-time game to talk about. The Niners and the Ravens. The Ravens and the Niners. I mean, this one, it doesn't get a whole lot better than this. Um, Lamar Jackson said, man, it ain't the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's in February. This is December. Uh, But, man, this one is going to be worth watching. It's a game between the AFC leading Ravens, who are 11 and three, the NFC leading 49ers, who are 11 and three. It might be a preview of Super Bowl Sunday in Vegas come February. Um, it's just the second time in the history of the NFL that teams with sole possession of the best record in their conference played this late in the season. The other was 2005 when Seattle beat Indy in week 16. But Man, I cannot wait for this one. I feel really good as a 49er fan about this matchup. We'll get into why I feel so good later on. But, guys, good to see you. And um, let's just get right into it. Um, Niners-Ravens are the Ravens, as Fred Warner said today. In your opinion, do you agree with Fred? He said that the Ravens are the best team that the 49ers have played all year. Do you agree with that? Go ahead, I agree. I agree. Uh, they're the most complete team uh, that the 49ers are going to see for as good as they are, the teams that they've played and the health factor. They, they're a little nicked up before we've seen them, but for what it's worth, they don't have any huge, uh, they don't have any huge um, absences on their offensive line and defensive line. That's really what's important to me is just the trenches. That's where football's made. And we've played, we've been lucky. I mean, blessed if you want to, you know, shape it a different way. But Niners have been able to face a lot of defensive lines, sends a lot of their best players. And when we have placed defensive lines with their full complement of players, um, we've struggled, uh, the Eagles notwithstanding. So this is a good team. It's another litmus test to see where we stand with uh, running the ball and stopping the run. And for me, um, this is a team that we could potentially see again. So, yeah, we both had number one seeds and we're kind of, you know, we both control our own destiny. So it's a little bit it's a little bit anticlimactic as far as the drama is concerned of how the season's gonna how the season's gonna bear out between the both of us. But I will say that uh Lamar Jackson does have a ridiculously good record against the NFC teams. I believe it's 19 and one. And something to Jesse's credit, which is something that we bring up a lot of times, is uh this is gonna be the first time where even if we do lose this game. We potentially have the drop on Lamar and the Ravens because part of the reasons why that record is so illustrious is the fact that then the NFC teams don't get a second crack at the apple to uh, get at uh, the Ravens. So this is for me, I see this as a win win. I do pick us to win this game. I think that we're going to dominate um, as far as schematically. I don't think the Ravens necessarily understand that we're not uh, dragging Brock along, but Brock does have his own weapons. And that's something that. Um, I feel like a lot of teams, they struggle when they play us, and it is an advantage to us where a lot of teams that we face are more focused on trying to prove that they can stop Brock 
before they're trying to prove that they can stop the 49. And they get caught up in that pursuit. And by the time you know it, they understand, they they don't realize that we are a complimentary football team. And if you give us more than two, if you give us two scores in the game, the game is all but one. So I feel as though that this is a game where they're going to come out tough. They're going to show their mettle. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some business business decisions made later on in the game because um, the significance isn't as heightened as it would have been if we both had something to play for. Jesse, what do you yeah. think? Are the Ravens the best team the Niners have played all year? Yeah, most certainly. I mean, I, I think that it's strength versus strength when we play the or when the 49ers play this team. The Ravens are second in run offense and yards per carry. They're usually up near the top of the league year in and year out with a guy like Lamar Jackson, the 49ers. Defense is 18th in run defense yards per carry. So that's going to be an interesting test. You also look at the 49ers, who are third in scoring on offense. The Ravens are first in scoring defense. You look at red zone touchdown percentage. The 49ers are first in the league in scoring touchdowns when they get to the red zone. But the Ravens are the second best defense when it comes to red zone scoring. So this is truly strength versus strength. It's a it's a litmus test. It could be the Super Bowl preview. We will see long term, but ultimately, I think this is a great test for the 49ers as things kind of ease off and they get into the playoffs. And another thing that's interesting to me is the 49ers last week played Ravens light, as coach like to call them, with Kyler Murray and Connor, and they're trying to do the Ravens thing over there. Not quite as good but you can see some of the lingering effects and how they were able to run the ball, especially with some of the injuries that the 49ers have at defensive tackle. We'll see if those guys are back this week, but missed tackles the last few weeks. They played a team that is similar, but not near as good. And they really struggled in stopping that, that rushing attack. Now Keaton Mitchell is out for the Ravens. That makes things a little bit easier, but overall this is still a very, very tough team to stop. I'm looking forward to this matchup. This is going to be a doozy on Christmas. Yeah, I, I think I, you know, I hate to be like, you know, th three guys sitting here all agreeing, but I agree. I, I think the Ravens are the best team they've played all year. The Ravens, mm -hmm. you know, six and one on the road. That's pretty damn good. By the way, as far as playoff implications, the Niners clinched the NFC West last week. The Ravens were guaranteed a playoff spot when they beat Jacksonville last week. Both teams still have more to play for, though. Niners can get the number one seed and a first round bye, which is vital. Uh, if they can win two of the final three, Ravens can clinch the AFC North with a win and a Cleveland loss this week, uh, but might need to then beat Miami next week to earn the top seed in the AFC. So both teams come in with a lot to play for. I, I If you'd asked me, was this the toughest game at the beginning of the year? I would have said no. I would have said Philly in Philly. But Philly, um, you know, Philly, I think, has kind of shown the last couple of weeks that they're not the same team that went to the Super Bowl last year. That team had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, this team's got Kevin Blankenship. You know, that team had Javon Hargrave. This team has got an awesome player in Jalen Carter, but their D-line overall is not getting it done like it did a year ago. So, and then you look at Baltimore, and you think, on offense, you got Lamar, they got OBJ, they got a good line, they got, they got weapons, even Isaiah likely is a, is coming on right now. And then on defense, I mean, their pass rush has been incredible. Um, you know, the Ravens, I believe, lead the league in sacks. Matt Abuke, the kid from A&M, has had at least a half sack in 11 straight games. 
Uh, he's playing at a very high level. They lead the league with 50 sacks, which is still 10 shy of their franchise record, which they set in 06. But they've got a sack in 35 straight games. That's the longest active streak. You got Kyle Hamilton on the back end, who's just spectacular. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is the best team the Niners have played all year. All right, let's jump to the MVP race because of the other thing that I think is on the line Monday night on Christmas night is the MVP. If Lamar and the Ravens win this game um, and Lamar has a has an all-time Lamar game and he runs for 85 yards and throws for 290 or something like that, I think he's going to get the MVP. Um, and I think if, if Purdy throws for three bills and, and three more touchdowns and no picks, I think Purdy probably gets the MVP. If it's if it's the Christian McCaffrey show and he's totally dominating, um, I think the nation's going to view that. It will swing the vote, and I think CMC wins the MVP. I, I really believe the MVP will be decided on that field at Levi's in Santa Clara Monday night. If you guys had an MVP vote tonight, who would you give it to? Uh, well, I, I agree with you, first of all, and going back to the last topic, just real quick, this is yeah. also the toughest game for the Ravens. Like the, make no bones about they it. This nobody. Way. Yeah. Oh, well, hold on. Well, I, no, I'm not going there. I'm not. Yeah. No, they, they play, they play the I'm Lions. Not I'm not going. They play, there. They, we we they just had this people. conversation, me and Grant. Yeah, you, no, and, and you were wrong. I, that's, I want to be clear. Let me run the schedule. Let me run it. Go ahead. They, they, their last loss was to Cleveland, but before that, their last loss was to Pittsburgh. Okay. Just since October the 8th, they've won every game except for the Cleveland game. They've played Tennessee, Detroit, Arizona, Seattle, Cleveland, Cincy, the Chargers, the Rams, and Jacksonville. And then they did play Cincy and Houston to start the year. I, I, I think, and they, you know, they beat, they also played Cleveland and beat Cleveland in Cleveland. I, I, I think they played a pretty representative schedule, coach. Nah, man, I ain't feeling it. So this is the way I see it the Ravens, they lost. The Ravens lost to the Browns 31 33. All right. That, and Deshaun Watson played in that game. Mm-hmm. They lost an OT to the Colts. All right. Mm-hmm. We lost, we lost to the Bengals. Okay which they lost to as well. They beat them. They split. We lost. No, no, no. They, they swept the Bengals. They swept the Bengals. They split with the, with the Browns, right? Yep. Yep. They split with the Browns. We lost they the beat them in week four. And then, and then uh, they lost to them in week 10, 33, 31. All right. True. And we lost to the Minnesota Vikings. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. All three of those teams that we lost to are in playoff contention. Same with the losses for the Ravens. All three of the losses are the same the thing with the Ravens. Playoff contention? They're seven and seven or eight and seven or whatever. Yeah. Or seven and seven. Yeah. They're in playoff contention. They have All a chance right. to win I'll their division. So. I don't think they've had a tougher schedule than us, quite honestly. Well, I'm not sure, but tougher than the Niners schedule. But I would say I just looked at that schedule since they lost to Pittsburgh and I thought, okay, um, Detroit's good. And, and how did they lose to Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh is also in a playoff contention. All those teams are in the same playoff contention that the 49ers losses are too. Okay. They both, they've both lost to the Browns. That team's even you look at Minnesota and you look at uh, who else the 49ers lose to. They lost to Minnesota. Yeah. And the same teams that they lost to, which is Cleveland. So that's a wash. 
And then if you All look right. at the Colts and you look at Pittsburgh, they're both right there for a playoff shot too. They're both neither of those teams have been eliminated. They're fighting for a playoff spot as well. And All also right. the game they lost to Pittsburgh, they turned it over three times and they gave up in that game five eight a carry. So that's they kind of got gashed by Pittsburgh's rushing attack in that game. How'd that happen? Yeah, Divisional game. I mean, that's like that's Warren, like if the Niners lose a random one to the Rams in Week 18, we'd look at it and go, "Ah, Rams are playing better." Division game. Division games get interesting. Who knows, right? Now, right. if they lose to Pittsburgh again looked. at the end of the season, then I'd be like, "Okay, you went zero and two against Pittsburgh. That's a little concerning." But even the year that the 49ers lost to the the Ravens in the Super Bowl, the the Rams were awful. But division game. They lost one of those games, and I think they tied the other one. It's just like weird things happen in division. By the way, they, I, I, tonight, I stand Jesse? corrected. I they didn't give up five. It was me and Larry I think last so. I think so. It's yeah, me it might, it might all right, be. Okay, I just yeah, want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 2.9 a carry. 2.9 carries all Pittsburgh had. But what it was George Pickens had a big night. He had six catches, or big day, six catches, 130 and a touch. Yeah. Um, and, they, and then, and then uh, it just happened to be the night or the game where Lamar – you know, through a pick and they had term turnovers and that was that, but yeah, I mean, it's a division, these division games. I, I, I don't know the division games. I kind of, I kind of don't put a lot of credence in those because division teams, anybody beats anybody in, in these division division. Battles. Yeah. Any given, yeah. Any given time. But, um, but overall, um, who's your MVP vote? Oh, back to that whole thing. I forgot what that was even the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I took it backwards and it turned into nah, a debate. Because, you know what this is? Because Jesse be watching my other shows and he disagrees with me. I so did, he too. takes the chance I to did, get at me too. when he had, when he wants the chance to come. Like, that's all. He's just disagreeing with the take that I had like three hours ago, a grand yeah. show. That sure he's been am. waiting to tell to me about. Jesse's been laying in the weeds, <laughs> been, waiting for this. Been behind the tree, like, yeah, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get like, him. I hope it comes you're up. You're way too fucking prepared, bro. Like, <laughs> you were actually wrong. So, anyway, how is he so prepared? You know, it feels uh, good. To, it feels to be. It feels good being that third wheel. You know, I, I, mean, I, I like being over here. I'm out of harm's way. I don't get brother Bob shitting on me. I, I don't oh, get, see, you know, here you go. You, oh, you shouldn't have done up. that. You shouldn't I, have I, done I, that I one. I don't, you know, I'm just sitting here watching two guys fight. You know, Larry like, literally <laughs> rubbed water on the mirror and said, brother Bob's name three times. And here he comes. I can feel it. He's coming. <laughs> He's about to get you like candy, man. He's on his oh. way. <laughs> all right. Giants, all right. Niner, fan, Giants right Niner fans says, let the fireworks commence. <laughs> there we go. There All go. right, who's who's the MVP who's right your now? MVP right now. It's it's between two players, and they're both San Francisco 49ers. I really can make an argument for both. In fact, I did make an argument for both on Twitter. Let's give him the co-MVP. But if I have to choose right now, I would go CMC. I, I think when you look at CMC, I, I took his numbers and I took Brock's numbers, and I compared Brock Purdy to the last five years of quarterbacks MVPs, and I took CMC's numbers and compared them to the last three running backs, which there's only been three since 2005, to win MVP. And CMC's numbers are identical to the averages that those guys put out in yards and in touchdowns. Brock Purdy's numbers are pretty much identical in yards and interceptions, and he's about seven touchdowns behind pace, which is really not a lot when you consider how little he throws the ball. So really, both of them, you can make the case for being MVP. I think right now CMC is it. I don't mind if they give it to Brock, but Lamar, 
the Ravens would have to win and Lamar would have to play very, very well for it to even be a conversation, in my opinion. Coach, who's so he's given his to CMC. Who are you giving yours to? CMC, man. Um, I understand, like, Brock is having an amazing story. And if you look at it as just the story, then you really want him to get the M- you really want him to get the MVP. But I tend to believe that this is like a a trend with Brock, more or less like a Cinderella story. This isn't like a one off. So with me, I look at the history of the award and understand that very few positions outside of quarterback even get to sniff the award. And not only do other positions barely get to sniff the award, but my favorite position is running back in the game. And I feel like it's getting phased out of the game. It's the arbiter of physicality in the NFL is the running back. Without the running back, we're just a passing league, man. We might as well just put flags on their rate on their waist. This right here is the it's 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 I feel like to not recognize CMC for MVP would almost be a disservice to the position because everybody knows that running backs are like burning, we're like comets. Okay, but that are burning throughout the sun, they only have a certain amount of time and they only have a certain amount of prime. And when you have a running back, traditionally, when a running back was in his prime, he got the most carries that he could get during the game, he was utilized the most, and he was shown, showcased. And for what Christian McCaffrey has gone through, just the history of where he's came through to now, the culmination of his scoring ability of the streak of the touchdowns, the he leads the NFL in rushing yards with 1,292 yards. Scrimmage yards with 1,800 yards. Scrimmage touchdowns with 20 yards after catch with 600 over 600 yards. And receiving yards for a running back at 500 yards. 10-plus yard runs at 40. And rushing first downs at 74. I understand what Brock is doing. And I feel like a lot of the allure of what Brock is doing it's because of what he's doing at the stage of his career, right? Because that is, that's what people are much enamored with is because he's doing it so soon. But Christian McCaffrey is a once-in-a-lifetime back, and I feel like his career needs to be immortalized with awards like this when they merit it. And I feel like you're not going to get another season like this out of CMC if you don't if you don't culminate it with an MVP, it's it's. I feel like it's it's a football thing. You got to give it to him. Running backs have been getting like disserviced and marginalized for years. It's it's time, especially off of what happened over the offseason with Josh Jacobs holding out for his money and all of the running backs getting together to talk about the validity of how they're going to get paid. And for Christian to win an MVP this year, I think it would be a real feather in the cap for the game. I think. You know, quarterbacks, they get it all. You know, I don't disagree with anything that either of you said there. And CMC is spectacular. He's first in the NFL in rushing yards. He's first in the NFL in scrimmage yards. He's first in the NFL in yards after contact. He's first in the NFL in 10 plus yard runs. You know, he's the Niners, uh, you know, are a run first offense and he's the runner. Um, You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there are yards after the catch team. 
they're number one. They average 6.4 yards after the catch per completion. A lot of that's attributable to him, right? I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. But I'm giving it to Brock. I was watching a a thing on the Lakers and the Celtics, and one of my favorite old Celtics is Cornbread Maxwell. And he's like, man, he's like, in the, the finals MVP, They every year they gave the guy who won the finals MVP a car. The year I won the finals MVP, they gave me a watch. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that ain't right. And I just feel like, you know what? This has been the quarterback award, and this is been the best quarterback. Um, and, and to me, it's also about, you know, I don't care as much about stats that you put up in, in the, in the hot months of September. I care about what are you doing now? What are you doing down the stretch? I don't know. And maybe I, to me, football is when it turns cold and that's when the real players come out. And I just think that some of those, sometimes guys have fat September, uh, stats, and then they kind of ride it coast, coast in from there. Brock Purdy, if you take his last six games and extrapolate it out to a 17-game regular season, he would have thrown for 4,992 yards, 48 passing touchdowns, and six picks. Man, those are MVP numbers. And I How's just that fat, though? What's that? Taking his last six game and aggregating it over a season? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying. Hard for CMC. I'm not just going to let you get up here and just talk. Like, that's <laughs> not even a real stat. Well, no, but I'm saying I just made my point. My point is that he's playing it best. He's playing best when it matters most right now against the best teams down the stretch. He's playing great. Um, Purdy says CMC deserves the award. He says it's a team award. Uh, The 49ers are a great team. Let's be honest. They got 10 different guys who are leading the Pro Bowl voting at their respective positions. I mean, it, it's a team. Well, team CMC right? says Purdy deserves it too. They both gave the love back and forth. So right, CMC says Purdy deserves it. Purdy says CMC deserves it. Um, and I and I definitely think Lamar should be in the running. Um, and I think you know, Purdy CMC is plus twelve hundred in the in Vegas. Ravens are Lamar Jackson's plus four fifty. Purdy is is minus two fifteen. He's the favorite right now. So he's the leader in the clubhouse. I just think that. Purdy deserves some award this year. Maybe you give him, if you don't give him the MVP, maybe he's the comeback player of the year. I mean, the guy brought, the guy tore out his elbow. We didn't even know if he was going to play. Dude, Most people he, thought he well, was going to play at all. Hold, hold on. This, let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, I don't. First of all, I don't know how comeback player of the year uh, award works. If if you played in the final game of the season, you didn't technically miss any games. But Demar Hamlin's going to win that. He literally no. died on the football right. field yeah, and exactly. played he, a single snap. Win. That was enough. So, right. like, he, I mean, he locked that up. Yeah, Hamlin's going to win that. It's pretty safe to say. But I yeah. mean, also, I just think that <laughs> when you look at, when you look at Brock Purdy, yeah. here's the argument: He's first of all, he's only a second-year player. He leads okay. the NFL in QBR yards per attempt, touchdown passes, touchdown to interception ratio. And not only that, he's done it in the most efficient manner possible. Young players that play with efficiency, to me, that shows even a higher level of skill. He's only had 27.4 pass attempts per game. That's 21st in the NFL. He's still leading the NFL in all these stats um, without, without really throwing it very much in the fourth quarter and without throwing it a lot. The stat, though, that really, to me, jumps out, is the Elias Sports Bureau stat that Nick Wagner used this week. 
Brock's the fifth quarterback in the last since 2000 to lead the NFL in yards per attempt and touchdown to interception ratio. And those other four guys all won the MVP. So in my mind, why would you, why would you break that and say, Oh no, you're not going to win the MVP. Then to me, if you said everybody's got one stat that they really believe in the most and put more credence in for me, I based on all the things I've looked at through the years, I think the one that's the hardest to manipulate, like your like completion percentage, I love completion percentage, but now in the era of the era of the shovel pass, I mean, come on, man. I mean, you, you could have a 90% completion percentage if all you threw were shovel passes. So that one's got to be taken out to me. The stat that means the most to me is yards per attempt. And this is 9.9 yards per attempt for Brock Purdy. That's the third highest mark in the history of the NFL. Um, This whole idea that he's a system quarterback I think is the most the laziest argument of all time. Every quarterback in the entire league, every quarterback in the entire league plays in some form of a system. You, why should his system? What you're really saying is that he's plays in a great system. He's not a system quarterback. Everybody's a system quarterback. He's he's a product you could argue of of a great system and a bevy of offensive weapons. But I think when you go look at the MVPs that quarterback they've all played in good systems and they've all had a bevy of weapons to me i think there's two things that stand out stand out about brock he makes it look easy and it ain't and and he makes it look so easy that that we that we discount how difficult it really is we almost have to see sam darnold come off the bench and watch him throw the same in the same system with the same weapons just not look as good because the timing ain't right. The accuracy is not quite there. So I just think Brock makes it look easy. So we kind of discount it. And then also he's not, his numbers aren't as good as he is because he's only averaging 5.4 pass attempts in the fourth quarter all year. He's only playing 12.6 snaps per fourth quarter all year. So in reality, his numbers could have could easily be higher and he could have much better numbers if the Niners weren't in this stranglehold, run the ball, run the ball, win the game kind of mode. So I just think that he makes it look easy and his numbers are great and he's a top all the top quarterback numbers, but they could even be better if if you really took away, you know, his great team helps him, but his great team hurts him. And I just think that um, I, I, I would give him the slight edge. I don't know how to separate him and CMC guys, to be honest, because it's not really fair to say, well, you know, if you took Brock out, you got Darnold and they'd really lose. And if you took CMC out, they'd have, you know, JP Mason or Elijah Mitchell and they would be all right. Yeah. But I mean, that's just, that's such a slippery slope and it's all predicated on who your next man up and how good that next man up is. So I don't know how to really compare the two. It's true apples to oranges type of a comparison, but if it's apples to apples and you're comparing Brock to the other quarterbacks, and it's a quarterback award. I think he's been the best quarterback, so I'd vote for him. Yeah, and and it's not. This is the hard part. Kind of like the way that you ended it was, you don't want to take anything away from CMC because he's clearly been the best running back, and he clearly has the numbers to win MVP. Just like I didn't want, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Brock. I can understand why you would give it to him, but I mean, I would go CMC at this point. I think they both still have time to make their claim. And I could hear either one of them. Here's what I will say, though. If the Ravens win, I think there's another dark horse to win MVP. 
and that's Josh Allen. If they win their division, which I think they're going to, that comeback that they've made, Josh Allen's going to lead the NFL in touchdowns with around 45 to 47 this year, total touchdowns. I think all of a sudden he enters the conversation as well. So mm, that's interesting. Only, only if the Ravens win though, because I think Brock and CMC are so far ahead right now that the only person that can kind of disrupt that is Lamar by beating him. Now it's like, okay, well, Lamar enters the conversation. If the Buffalo Bills win, at, win their division, then all of a sudden Josh Allen enters the conversation because he leads the league in touchdowns. And they're hot right now. The Bills are coming. Yeah, they're they got to win their division. It's it's not going to be easy, but I think that I actually think they're going to, but we'll see. All right. Um, right now, now Grant and I were talking about this. Grant thinks that the AFC is better than the NFC. Um, I don't know exactly. You know, it's weird. I mean, the AFC's got some great quarterbacks. And you want to give Buffalo theirs because of Josh and Kansas City theirs because of Mahomes and Baltimore theirs because of Lamar. So there, it's like you feel more comfortable. Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes. I mean, you know, uh, Mahomes, Burrow. Joe Burrow, um, you know, in Cincinnati, I thought looked the best of any quarterback I Justin saw. Herbert. Herbert is, is solid, but they obviously Lawrence. had a terrible year. And then now C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I mean Lawrence. I can't put in that group. I think Lawrence is 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 you know he's first pick in the draft. I understand why he was first pick in the draft. There's a lot of development that's still needed there. Um, but you've got some big time teams in the AFC. One, do you guys agree that the AFC is better than the NFC? And who do you think is getting out of the AFC? Because Coach just said it. Buffalo is playing great. Yeah, and and. If you look at just the way teams are playing, I, I get the feeling that the AFC is going to be commandeered in the playoffs by just kind of like the hot team. I don't know if it's going to be the best team. You know, I mean, Ravens have the best record. They're the number one seed right now. Miami's 10 and four, but man, I just watched them look so ragtag against Tennessee Fraudulent. that I just can't believe in Miami. Buffalo has looked really bad, but then you know what? They dumped Dorsey and they're coming on. Um, and then, you know, I, I mean, I think Cincinnati's really good, but obviously they're not getting Burrow back. So put a line through them. Um, and then there's Kansas city. And as long as they've got Chris Jones and Mahomes and Andy Reed, you know, I, they scare the hell out of me. So I, who would you say is getting out of the AFC and is the AFC, would you, would you say the AFC is better than the NFC or is it too, too, um, you know, too close to call? And I think the AFC, I think if you remove the 49ers, the AFC is better. <laughs> like if, if the 49ers uh, didn't exist in the NFL, if the 49ers didn't exist in the NFL and it was like, oh, who's going to win the Super Bowl, AFC or NFC? I'll, I'll ride with the AFC. The NFC just, I don't know what's going on over there, but but the 49ers do exist. And so they're right now, in my opinion, they're so far ahead of anybody else that it's going to take a Herculean effort to beat them, especially if they get two bye weeks going through this process where they get the bye week going into the playoffs and then the bye week before the Super Bowl, they're going to be as rested as possible. And really the only time that you've seen any chinks in the armor have been after five, six game stretches. Well, you're not going to get that in the playoffs. Most likely. Get it. Yeah. So the 49ers as of now they're look like they nice. could roll. They are set up very nice, very nice. So I think, I think the 49ers are a clear best team, but if we're just going conference for conference, I, I would say the AFC and who's going to come out of there, man. 
I don't know, but I, I will say this. Before the Dallas Cowboy game last week, I did tell Coach this. I said, to me, if there's one team that actually worries me if when the 49ers play or meet in the Super Bowl, if that happens, it would be the Buffalo Bills. Now, I don't even know if they're going to get in. They they own almost none of the tiebreakers. So they basically have to win their division if they want to get in. But it's here's the interesting thing. Miami plays Dallas, Baltimore, and ends the season with Buffalo. I think Miami's going to lose to either Dallas or Baltimore, which then sets up a stage for the final week of the season. Whoever wins that Buffalo-Miami game ends up winning the division. And at that point, I think Buffalo gets in. If Buffalo gets in, you look at the way that their season has trended. We can talk about all the losses early on and all those things. Since they fired Dorsey, also the defense has gotten very, very healthy. They were about as banged up as a defense could be for about a six-week stretch when they were going through those losses. That is not the case anymore. They are healthy, and that defense is firing on all cylinders. And oh, by the way, they finally, for the first time in Josh Allen's career, look like they have a running game worth paying attention to. Now Josh Allen doesn't have to play superhero every week. That team right there, because Josh Allen is one of the few quarterbacks in the league, Patrick Mahomes, and maybe a couple more, that can dictate to a defense how that day is going to go. Defense doesn't dictate to them anything. That doesn't mean Josh Allen plays perfect football. He makes his fair share of mistakes. But if he comes out firing, there is nothing that any defense in this league can do to stop him. I believe they would be the scariest who, matchup. Who has the tiebreaker? Who's got the tiebreaker in Buffalo, Miami? Uh, Buffalo does. Buffalo. Well, Buff Buffalo's beaten them. But if they end up with the same record, which the only way that that can happen is if Buffalo actually beats them the final week, Buffalo would have the tiebreaker. It, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I again, Jesse prefaces what this is a conversation that me and him have already had many times, honestly. Um, but it's the truth, man. Uh, Josh Allen is um, he can dictate. He's a man amongst boys on the field. And. The one of the biggest things that hurts him is he is really the only option on the ground that they have, right? And defenses can really key on him and <clears throat> play lazy football, quite frankly. And he still makes ridiculous plays. But the fact that they actually have a running game now and Josh Allen can lean on somebody else to take some of that physicality and that brunt off and, you know, he can sit back in the pocket and actually make plays and dictate. offensively. Um, there's really nothing that you can do if Josh Allen sets his mind to doing it, honestly. Um, he's got the power and the speed of one of the toughest runners in the league. And we see that the average, the best defenses don't even like tough runners, right? A la us. You know, we're one of the best defenses in the league. And a James Conner can show up for to can show up today and give us a run for our money. That's just the brand of football that we're looking at today, where it's not necessarily if you're the number one team that you're, you know, you shut down everything. It's just that you're the best unit that plays together based on the teams that you faced, right? But that doesn't mean back in the day in the NFL, to be number one meant that you were the literal tip of the spear, that you were stress tested and nobody could mess around with you. That's not the case this year. So um, we've seen that a running game that is dedicated and consistent uh, can, can do wonders against our defense and against any defense. And Josh Allen, is one of those guys where um, if he puts his mind to it, he could literally take over the game, speed it up, slow it down. Um, you know, just take a look at the game where him and Patrick Mahomes had that shootout a 
couple of years ago, bro, like in the AFC championship game. The truth of the matter is, is that Patrick Mahomes had more talent than him. That's the only thing. Josh Allen was game. He was there. So uh, the Bills are coming, especially with a running game. But, you know, again, uh, they made that. Miami's got Dallas, Ravens, and Buffalo. Do That's what? a hell of a stretch, man. Miami's final three games are saying. home against yeah. Dallas at yeah. Baltimore, which we all know yeah. Baltimore is so tough to play in their place, and then Buffalo. They're going to well, lose one of those two games minimum going in to play Buffalo. That's what I think. Yeah. Buffalo's going to win the division like because that. Buffalo plays like the Chargers, some other bad team, and then Miami. I'm telling you, Buffalo's going to win that division, and it's going to it's crazy, but it's it's going to happen. I think. Wow, wouldn't that be something if the Dolphins miss the playoffs altogether? Well, the Dolphins are in a different situation than than the Bills. I, the Dolphins might have some of those tiebreakers. The reason the Bills need to win the division to get in, and this is what makes it really tough for them, is early in the season, they lost to teams like Cincinnati. They lost to, uh, I forget, one of the other teams that's in there right now. You're talking about where, Bills. Yeah, so they, they've lost head-to-head with some of these teams that are fringe playoff teams. So they have to win their division to get in because they, they don't own those tiebreakers. Miami might own Jets. some of those tiebreakers. Their ugliest losses were they lost no, to... I'm worried about the teams that are French playoff teams, though, is what I'm saying, that they've lost to. They've lost a, a few of those games. So that's... The Bengals, that's it. Bengals? No, there's the another Bengals one. and the Jaguars. There you go. So those two teams they lost to, which means they don't have oh, the tiebreaker. Oh, and the Eagles. No, no, one, AFC. I'm talking AFC. Cincinnati, okay. Indy, and Houston all win the tiebreaker over, over Buffalo. Yeah. So if Buffalo doesn't win the division, Buffalo's going home. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's man, that is going to be really, really interesting. I so think they literally the, might not make it in, but if they do, I'm t- and they're healthy the way they are now. I don't know, man. That's that's one team that I don't know if I want to see. I think the NFC is a two team conference. I never. I, I think De- Detroit's a future play. I think Dallas is. I don't believe in Dallas. Uh, I don't think Dallas. I think Dallas a bully team. I think if you, if, you know, teams, you know, Buffalo just showed they, they just ran the ball down Dallas's throat um, and, and the Niners will do the same. So I just think always believed that this NFC was a two team conference where in the AFC, you know, Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, um, you know, Browns, if they're if things had broken right, Bengals, if Burrow didn't get healthy or had stayed healthy, Buffalo. I mean, these are all, in my opinion, legit. Uh, Super Bowl contenders, and it, it's a little watered down because of the injuries and whatnot. But I still think AFC is better than the NFC. Um, okay, a couple other things I want to get to here. The Niners have gotten absolutely gashed in the run game the last few weeks. They have not been able to stop the run. Uh, they've missed tons of tackles. We saw it. You know, the, they, they couldn't tackle against Cincinnati. They looked really fatigued. They went into the bye week. They came out more rested, and they were better for a while. But now here they are again, and they look kind of fatigued, and they've lost Hargrave and Armstead at least short term. Um, Greenlaw's playing. He's not even on the injured list, which is crazy because he's got to have about seven different injuries. <laughs> um, and he's not – he's dinged up. I mean – and they missed 16 tackles against the Cardinals. Now, Dermacato, if you know your college ball from TCU, he's a bull, and he runs hard. James Connors, 230, he runs hard. Uh, the week before, they had Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker, and they ran through all kinds of tackles. Do the Niners have 
a problem with stopping the run? And do the Niners have a problem with missed tackles? Or as Greg Cosell put it, um, he just he doesn't really believe that the Niners have a problem with run D. He feels like when it's when it's necessary, they'll they'll have it, and that those numbers are inflated based on some long runs from scrimmage by those two backs. How big of a run D, how big of a problem is the 49er run D? And is it going to be a problem this week? I asked the uh, beat writer from the Ravens, who's the back this week? Because there's no Keaton Mitchell. And I thought he was going to say Gus Edwards. And he said it was Justice Hill. He thinks Justice Hill is going to be the guy. I have a very hard time imagining Justice Hill running through the 49er defense on Monday night. How big of a problem is the run D? Go ahead, Coach. It's a big problem. Um, I don't like it. I mean, I, I again, you know, I've I've got egg on my face about this about this team. Um, especially how I called the season. I called the season at nine and eight, and that's because I gave the now that I've watched the entire year, uh, I gave the league and the Niners, quite frankly, way too much credit for the caliber of football that's being played. And I was really worried about being able to stop the run and run the football. I mean, those are tenets that create bad teams. That's what I've always been attached to. Larry, you and I have talked about this. Like, if you can't stop the run and you can't run the ball, you're going to lose half your games in the NFL. But that's just not today's NFL anymore. And Greg Cosell is 100% right. You really can pick and choose when you want to be stout against the run and when you don't want to be stout against the run. And um, it's a shame, but he's Greg Cosell is class personified as far as scouting and watching film is concerned. And I tend to agree with them. I do see moments where they bow up, they sacrifice their bodies. They fight to the echo of the whistle. They use power angles, strong hands. They rally to the football and gang tackle. And then I see other times where they whiff, they dive at guys. They, they try to uh, blow through the thigh board and expect guys to just fall onto the ground. I've seen plays where Fred Warner is just flat out gone for grad, gone for shoelaces and ate grass uh, where he didn't have to. He could have met him up top. I feel like these guys make business decisions. They're like almost in a sense, I hate to say this, but in a sense, they're like glorified stuntmen on the low. Like they try to hit certain because of the rules. They try to hit certain areas of the body, and and if they go for broke, if they miss, they miss. That's just what it is. There's no ironclad technique that's going to make these boys be physical and blow through a defender and deliver a blow. Um, And because of it, you've seen it. Um, Eric Armstead is his body type and who he is on that defensive line, how much area he covers. He's a dog in the run game. Javon Hargraves, which we clearly have worries about stopping the run. He's almost better than whatever we got at the three tech outside of him being down. So even with our two starting D tackles in there, um, we have struggled in the run game. James, uh, James Conner, um, he's had a day against us. He's done whatever he wanted. Uh, and that is something that I do have us beating the Ravens, but that is something that does worry me because the Ravens are a team that their identity is running the football. The Eagles, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, man, the Eagles got out coached. That coach sucks, honestly. He got out coached. He abandoned the run against us. He got down, he panicked, and then he put the whole game 
on Jalen Hurts in that beautiful offensive line. What in the hell do you have that beautiful offensive line going backwards for? Why? You got those boys. You need to be going forward. And I'm going to just tell you, man, like, that's how I see uh, our team. I, I just feel like the Ravens are a team that their identity is running the football. Even when they're up, they're going to run the football. When they're down, they're going to run the football. This is who they are. So I'm very eager to see how we perform against a team that's not going to let us off the hook in the trenches. They're going to play us from the very start of the game to the end, and they're going to be doing the same shit. A lot of times, our complimentary football, part of it is it's it's good for us because we're feeding off of each other, right? Defense is getting short fields, getting guys off the field, getting offense on to push the ball down. There's there's games where the offenses, offenses barely flip the field on us two to three times and a half. That's incredibly hard to combat against, right? But when you're when you go when you face a team that's gonna play you for all four quarters and we get a lot of we get a lot of complimentary football issues that hurt other teams. I don't think the Ravens are going to hurt themselves. I don't think they're going to get down and start passing the ball 45 times a game because they're down. No, they're going to stick to the script. They're going to that's why I want to see this game. Yeah, I, I think it gets interesting kind of going off a of coach's point there is a lot of teams don't commit to running the ball against the 49ers. They get down, they panic, they stop yeah. running. We even teams like Minnesota who ran the ball very well early they beat the 49ers, but they kind of turned it into a passing game later on. What we've seen from the 49ers, and this trend has now happened twice, after about five games straight, they start missing tackles. They start looking tired. And maybe that age catches up to them. And we've now seen it twice. So, you know, once is one thing, but now twice is a trend. And that's why I said the bye week is so crucial. And, and the bye week is something that I talked about before the season starting, how crucial it was going to be for this team because it was an older team. Then you heard Kyle Shanahan and Debo talk about it. And now you're seeing it actually play out twice throughout the season. They do need that rest. Now the 49ers, luckily for them, and luckily for the Ravens, really, that's what makes this interesting. You got two teams that are fighting for the number one seed, and neither of them technically need this win. It's not a do-or-die game for either of them the way that we thought it might be. If the Ravens lose to the 49ers, but they beat Miami, they're straight. They still got the number one seed. If the 49ers lose this game and then win the next two, they're straight. So that also means we don't know who's going to play for the 49ers. Does Armstead take an extra week because it's not all hands on deck? Does Hargrave take an extra week because it's not all hands on deck? I think that plays into this. I also think that the injury... Going the other way to Keaton Mitchell is a big deal. When he came onto that team a few weeks ago, it was a whole different ball game for the Baltimore Ravens. They had an explosive running game that they had been missing since Dobbins went down. And really, frankly, since Dobbins was really good a year or two ago. So that was something that was dynamic, that was brought to them out of nowhere, and now they've lost it again. So I think that fares favorably for the 49ers. But overall, I do think that the 49ers could struggle this week against a team that's committed to the run. And if they decide to go Gus Edwards and do this power back thing with Ricard, who's a 310-pound fullback, and Lamar Jackson can be your quick guy along with Zay Flowers on some end rounds, 
it can get really interesting. So I don't know that I'm I'm concerned long term just because I think this team's going to be well rested when they need it most. But for this week, yeah, when a team's committed to running the ball the way Baltimore is and the 49ers have missed tackles the way that they have, I don't know how you can't think that that's going to be an issue on paper. I just I just don't see a runner there that like I'm not a believer in Justice Justin Hill or just is it just Justice, Justice Hill. Justice, Justice Hill. I uh, I think he's just a guy. Now Keaton Mitchell scared the hell out of me mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because he's fast, he's small, he's elusive, he can run through tackles. I think the Niners are going to win the rushing attack in this game, and that's why I like the 49ers to win this game. Is I really think Baltimore's run defense on paper, you look at them and go, "Oh my goodness, look at Baltimore." Um, you look at that defense, and you're like, "Michael Pierce is 360." You know, I was talking to Feliciano today, and he's like, yeah, Michael Pierce is just a load. Travis Jones from Connecticut is like 330. Matabuke is 310. I mean, they just got big boys up front. And then they got Roquan and Patrick Queen on that second level, and those guys are phenomenal. Um, And to me, uh, on paper, my first thought was, oh, man, I don't know that the 49ers can run to the edges. I don't get because Queen and, and Roquan are so fast. I don't know if they can run between the tackles because of the heft inside. But when you, I read this article this afternoon from Warren Sharp, who I think is pretty sharp, pretty good, pretty, pretty on it. Um, and he talks about how Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, that part of the reason that, that McDonald and the Ravens are so strong against the, bo- against the uh, pass is light that they boxes. play with light boxes and that they're, they struggle against teams that put two backs on the field, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, uh, that their defense struggles against that. And then you look at some of those numbers against the heavier personnel. They're dead last in EPA per rush, dead last in success rate, dead last in yards after contact per rush. Uh, they're the fourth worst in yards per carry. I, I think the 49ers are going are gonna to get them blocked, and I think they're going to have some success running the ball. I mean, the Niners run two backs 60% of the time, second highest rate of any offense in the league. Um, and I just think that they'll want to keep pressure off of Purdy. And I think Shanahan's going to, I think this is going to be an old fashioned head knocker uh, ice bag game where they're, where they're going to run the ball a lot at, at Baltimore and, and have, I think the Niners are going to have more success running it than the Ravens are. And then I also really like the way that the 49er D line, I was talking to Bosa today and I asked him, I said, you know, you guys are, you guys are not just rushing these mobile quarterbacks. You're really squeezing the pocket. And I asked him, I, you know, he's like, Hey, we got to rush as one. And I'm like, you know, where does that come from? Is that, do you guys talk on the field? And he's like, you know, really it's before the game. You know, when we're in the locker room, we talk about different ways that we're going to squeeze the pocket down against that quarterback. And to me, if Lamar doesn't have 75 yards or more rushing, I, I think the Niners not just w- don't just win this game, but win it convincingly. So I, I like the Niners to win this game by 10 to 14 points or more uh, because I think they are going to be able to shut down the rush game. I think they are going to be able to keep Lamar hemmed in. And I think they're going to have the Niners are going to have success running it on the Ravens, um, you know, because of the two back look. What is your guys? I, I, by predict? the way, real quick, I, I want to. I I do want to agree with that because that if you didn't bring it up, I was going to talk about the light boxes. That is exactly what the Ravens do. They play a lot of light boxes. This goes both ways, though, right? You you asked 
are we worried about the run defense? Definitely. But also, I'm confident in the run offense because of those things. I said that the 49ers defense and yards per carry, 18th. Well, they're tied for 18th, and they're tied with the Ravens. The Ravens yard per carry, they give up a ton as well. So both teams actually should be able to run the ball pretty pretty well. Now, I do know that Mitchell's out. We talked about that. We all agree that he was their most dynamic back. But Lamar Jackson being back there with the threat of getting here. Here's what the Ravens will do, and this is what will make the defensive line slow down maybe even a half second, and that's all you need to help guys like Justice Hill or Gus Edwards maybe play better than what they are. You got Lamar lined up in the backfield with two running backs. Then you've got Zay Flowers that comes in motion. They hike the ball, and Lamar has four options, actually five options that you've got to look out for on defense. You got to look out for Zay Flowers on the end around because they'll give it to him. You got to look out for both handoffs. You got to look out for Lamar running the ball, and you got to look out for Lamar keeping it and throwing the ball. That puts a lot of stress on defenses. So Lamar Jackson just being there and having the ball in his hands makes everybody around him have a little bit easier job because defenses have to look out for everything. Every possibility is available on those types of plays. So that's why I think it can be a little bit more difficult. You know, the 49ers put a lot of stress on teams with their pre-snap motion and all these other things. The Ravens do a lot of similar things, but when you add Lamar Jackson to it, it makes it really, really hard to focus in on one thing that's going on. So... As far as somebody, a um, couple quick ones here. Stephen Saunders says, "I'm ready for a four-hour stream." <laughs> I've promised the boys that it will be it'll be two hours or less. Now we'll see if we can make that. We're 53 <laughs> minutes in right now. Um, it won't be four hours. I promise you that. But uh, it might be then, five. <laughs> yeah, it might be four and a half. I'll be on here sleeping, and I'm gonna break uh, out a J. We're on here for five hours. I will smoke on stream. <laughs> Do not play with me. <laughs> Wait a second. Mm-hmm. That might be a, that might be worth it. Yeah, I've, I will. Seen, like five I've, hours, a whole bunch of shit gonna be happening after five hours. I'm gonna I, cut my hair, do my taxes. Seen, you guys just have to put up with my life after yeah, five I've, hours. I've seen the billowing smoke. I, I kind of like a, a, a you know a, a coach that's uh, that's a little <laughs> little off. Um, okay, somebody's asking. Oh, Brisbo, Brisgo says, "What's the weather for the game?" My my weather for Walnut Creek, which is you know this microclimates, but this is generally what it's going to be in Santa Clara. Uh, I live in Walnut Creek, so I have my home in here. So s- Monday, it says low of 40, high of 56, and partly sunny, partly cloudy. So it's going to be dry. It's going to be dry, and it's going to be perfect football weather, probably around 50, you know, between 45 and 50 degrees, which, I mean, that's almost ideal. That's almost ideal conditions. Pretty fast surface as well. Um, was somebody, did I interrupt somebody, to, by the way, to uh, to make that point? Um, no. One of the things I got to share with you today. So you have these moments in life where, man, you just want to come up big. And I had one of those moments today. I was in the locker room and uh, the media, they said, all right, media, everybody out, you know, time's over. And I was finishing up an interview with the newest 49er Stallworth, uh, the new defensive tackle. And I want to ask mm-hmm. you guys about that, by the way, uh, the Niners signed a new defensive tackle today um they worked him out yesterday and they signed him this is just a depth piece um his name is taylor stallworth he played at south carolina with debo and with javon kinlaw so anyway, i'm wrapping up an interview with stallworth really nice guy great personality mm-hmm. and i'm walking to the door 
And they're like, all right, media, and the Krug, you're, you know, you're the last media person in here. You got to get out. I'm like, all right. So I'm walking to the door and who's got the locker right next to the door, Debo. And somebody shoots the basketball and it bounces over by Debo's locker. And so I, you know, if I, if, if, you know, like any good, you know, any normal person, if a ball's bouncing towards you and somebody shot it and they're on the other side of the room, you rebound and you throw it back to them. Right. So I'm walking out. So I, I go pick up the basketball right by Debo's locker and he goes, Hey man, if you can hit, if you can hit a jumper from right here, it's like about 18 feet. If you can hit a jumper from right here, uh, I'll talk to the media guys. I'll do an interview with you. Just you. <laughs> Cause he had already held court and I'm like, Oh, I got, I got, I got to hit the jumper and then you'll do it. Yeah. He goes, and, and you can ask me anything you want. And I'll answer it. I'm like, all right, it's gonna be a K Adams. So I start dribbling the ball, you know, I'm going to go, I go, Hey Debo, you know, I did play high school ball. You know, it's like, I'm, I go, but I'm 53. So, you know, I may not have quite the jumper. I, he's like, stop talking and start shooting. Right. Shoot that shit. <laughs> yeah. So now he's, I'm looking, he, there's like three or four other guys looking at me. Cause I've got the ball and I'm, I, I go through the legs. I go around. So I rise up. Nothing, but nothing. Didn't oh. hit the rim. Not nothing but net. Not nothing but Nagano. You uh, which is no wait, airball would not even paint the picture. I didn't hit the rim. I didn't hit the backboard. I didn't hit the the, the stanchion that it's that it's on. I mean, I I, I hit some poor guy like changing. Like you hit four, somebody with the ball? I mean, it, it, not on a fly, but it bounced. <laughs> it, I mean, and he just gave me crap, and I, he just, like, pointed the door. He's like, you're out. You're out. <laughs> I mean, I could have had it. I could have had the exclusive, the one-on-one. -on -one. All I needed to do was hit the 15-footer. Oh, Yo, my God, bro. I the way you told this story, I thought it was going to sink it, bro. Oh, I air-balled air it. I air-balled it. I didn't get it. I didn't get my legs oh. into it. I didn't. I mean, I didn't hit nothing. I mean, it the was way off. you dropped this. I thought that you were about to start sharing screen and Debo was about to come on the fucking show right now. <laughs> like, no, you? And so now we're going to welcome in Debo. Come on in, Debo. <laughs> I had an exclusive right there in my hands with Debo. Come on, he man. You're supposed to be Larry Legend. Couldn't on, hit the 18 footer. He's like, man. It's like that was a weak effort. I'm like, I know. I just, I just, I just kind of went like this. I went, all right. I got to, I got to get out of here. So there you go. That'd have been a time to represent for us, Larry. Oh man, you know how badly I wanted to hit that too. Even the PR guy was like, you know, hey, I'll get, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you more time if you hit the shot. I got like seven, eight guys watching me. I'm like, and then I start talking. Big game, you know. I did play high school. Oh, do it. That one killed you. All of that Disney villain monologue shit. Like, I'm like going through the legs. I'm, you know, I'm like, you doing the whole nothing. <laughs> oh, nothing. So good. Just so bad. So bad. Uh, I only <laughs> thing I could say is, you know, you know what I said as I walked through the door, I was like, sure as ham, sure, sure as hell glad the cameras were out of here, you know? Mm. Oh, man. Oh, the TV man. crews were gone. It was a low point. It was a low point. Um, Okay. How do you, if you're Kyle Shanahan, play your hand of cards? You've got 
McCaffrey, who you guys saw it, he in the Arizona game, he's like literally like grabbing his knee and like testing it and almost like trying to push it together. Like it seemed like he was in like he like he thought he had some structural issue there. Then you got Greenlaw, who's got nine different injuries. And then you have no Armstead because of the of two different injuries. He's got both uh, the plantar fasciitis and a knee. You got Javon Hargrave, who's got a hammy. You got to have all these guys, in my opinion. If the Niners are going to win the win the Super Bowl, they need all those guys. But you still haven't clinched the number one seed, and you got the Ravens, and you got Washington, and you got the Rams, and you got to win at least two. How should Shanahan play his cards as far? I mean, this game is a huge game, but it's not the it's it's not everything. Um, you know, you could technically you could probably lose this game and still get home field, though the Rams are playing well, and who knows about playing on the road in the NFL. What do you what how do you play your hand of cards here? Do you do you take a chance that some of your key guys, the gotta have it crew, and I'd say Armstead, Hargrave, Greenlaw, and CMC are absolutely all essential pieces. Do you play those guys this week? Do you rest them? I mean, um, I don't even I mean, I, I guess CMC's not hurt. He wasn't on the injured list. But he sure looked hurt this weekend. And Greenlaw, we know he says the only reason he's missing all these tackles is because he's dinged up. And you know, Armstead for sure is, didn't play last week. Would you play him this week? I mean, if you're Shanahan, how would you play your hand here? Do you keep your guys fully rested and and just say, you know what? It doesn't matter what seed we're at. We just need those four guys ready to roll come playoff time and sit them out. Or do you play them this week um, and try to? win a couple games and then maybe have week 18 and the first round by to try to get rest. How, how do you play your hand? Yeah, I think for me, it, rest is, is the key. You got to get rest one way or another going into the playoffs. So if you weren't going to be the number one seed, then week 18 has to be your rest week. The 49ers, they don't need the number one seed because they can't beat these teams on the road. They're the best team in the NFC. They can beat all of these teams on the road. The problem is they need the rest. So for me, the way that I see it is this game's not the gotta have it that you need. If anybody is hurt, hurt, like Hargrave and Armstead, then I'm setting them out. And if they lose, they lose. But also, I'm banking on the, on the fact that they're going to beat Washington. And then at that point, they've got to go beat the Rams to get the number one seed. And quite frankly, I want them playing that game, even if they've had the one seed locked up, because what I don't want to happen is for them to have two weeks of rest. There is still a, a rest and rust situation that can happen in the NFL. And I think if you have two weeks of rest, that's too much. So for me, this is the game that if you're going to set people out because they're hurt, do it, but play everybody that you can over the next two weeks, win those games, get your bye week and uh, keep it pushing. That's the way that I would play it. Coach, I, how do you play your hand? Play him. I don't play around with the inertia and the flow that we built over the season. Play everybody? Uh, play Armstead this week, too? I mean, if he can go, play him. Yeah. Right? If he can't go, sit him. Right? You don't want to be stupid, but if he can go, you play him. These boys have been doing what they're doing because they have been playing with consistency. You don't want to mess around with that. 
All right. They got a job to do. And sometimes when you're trying to get a job done, when you get close to getting that job done, you don't really give, you don't really care about the time. You don't care about, you don't care about how close or bad or, or, or easy the task is to finish. What you want to do is you don't want to stop your flow. Stopping a flow can be incredibly hard to get back going again. If you start playing around with it, holding guys out for the sake of holding them out, thinking that they're going to be able to just turn it on when they have to, right? This team said for three weeks that every game they lost, they gave us the same form of this. They gave us a different form of the same conversation. We need this loss. We're going to get it together and everything will be all right. They could not turn it on. They did not want to lose those games. The only thing that saved us, not the only thing, but one of the things that saved us in that three-game streak was the bye, okay? So if we can you imagine us losing those three games and then having to go see a hot Jacksonville? That would have been crazy for us, right? So for us, I, I, I like the fact of us staying with what we've been doing all year. I don't want to sit guys down for the sake of preparing for games that we think that we're going to be able to have without us proving if, in fact, we are going to have those games. So I just want us to play the games that are in front of us. Don't sit anybody if they don't need to be sat. Rest the guys who do need to be sat. Rest the guys who do need to be sat because they're not, <laughs> because they're not ready to play. But outside of that... What are you, what are you I, laughing at? Larry is not him. That's a Larry great is comment. not him. <laughs> Yo, you be killing me with bringing up the quotes while I'm trying to talk, bro. Like, you're like that little kid playing with shit while I'm talking. Like, stop. Because <laughs> it makes right. me read all of them, Larry, every I, time you bring them up. I, here's my thing. I like what I see from, like, D. Winters, and I love Jalen Graham. And you know what? Greenlaw ain't going to get healthier dealing out all these hits. And and I'm starting to wonder, is Greenlaw at like 65% better than their backups? I'd rather sit Greenlaw because to me, Greenlaw is the reason they're missing all these tackles. He's, he's the vital. And I just think that if he's out there in number, but only in number only, and it's not really him, then what good is it? I, he's the one guy that I worry about because if to me, if they get to the playoffs and they got a healthy, healthy green lawn D and they got a healthy CMC on O, I love their chances. I love the their thing chances. about that, though, is that that's that's some trend. Those are training wheels that need to come off that that have been waiting to come off anyway. I understand that Dre is pretty much, um, you know, class. He, he's he's the most physical guy we got, but. It. I hate to say this, but it devolved into that. Okay, like Dre has always been Dre, but he hasn't always been the only guy, right, that can physically, like, impose his will on our team. It's devolved to the fact that the only guy now, if you really want to look at it, is Dre on the team that can actually impose his will on the defense and actually step forward and like set out a um set out like an identity for us. I I would call for the defense to kind of rise to Dre's level versus us holding Dre off and then making, you know, we need our guy out there. It's like where the hell is Fred? You know what I mean? It's like Dre Green Dre ain't the only linebacker we got, you know what I mean? So I, I understand if Dre needs to sit down, sit him down. I I I I do agree with you Larry like 
He's a throwback player. Like, this stuff makes me feel so old. But, yes, he's a throwback player. All linebackers aren't thumpers. All linebackers, most of your, your garden variety linebacker right now is a big safety, basically. Okay? So, really, you can't expect these guys to really deliver a blow and be an actual enforcer the way most linebackers are supposed to be like Dre. So, yeah, if he is being used as a battering ram where he's he's making the most physical collisions on the team and helping guys out and gang tackling and he needs to sit down, yeah, he needs to sit down. Maybe we need to start treating guys on defense almost kind of like the enforcer on hockey team. Like maybe that's what our game has turned into where, you know, uh, it, it's, it's disheartening. I, I just – if he needs to sit, sit him. But outside of that, um, I, my main point is that I don't think that Dre needs to be sat because he is one of our most physical players. I think that when he is not there uh, and w- we show that we lack teeth, uh, so to speak, our defense kind of needs to step their game. You know, I need to see more out of quite frankly, I love Fred, but I physicality, man, is just not there. It's not, you know, like jumping on people He's falling off some tackles. Yeah, exactly. And literally what you said, Larry, is exactly what I see falling off tackles, like jumping on people, playing around with leverage. So you don't take a real blow. Like we see what you're doing, bro. Like you're not hitting guys with form tackling. What you're doing is coming in from the side and blading guys off. Like it's business decision shit. And like, honestly, I understand. Like. He doesn't want to get hurt, and there's a way to play the game. But that's what I meant when I said these guys are like stuntmen now. It's like, dude, just tackle him. Why are you jumping on his back so you don't get hurt? It's like I understand that stuff works now in the guys that you're not really going to go up against a guy like James Conner every week. But that used to be our league. James Conner wasn't special. He used to be an average back going week to week. Can you imagine what AP would do today? Can you, imagine, can you imagine if Adrian, prime Adrian Peterson played today and we're sitting here talking about Dre, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, who's supposed to be regarded as one of the best linebackers in the league, the best linebacker in the league. And he's 6'3", 230. And we're trying to, and you mean to tell me that Fred Warner would really meet Adrian Peterson in the A-gap? Stop. 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 Um, Steven Jackson, Jackson, stop. The Niners are missing a ton of tackles, and and without Armstead, it it makes me a little concerned. But Armstead's got that plantar fasciitis. Man, I'd love to see him just get rested. But against Philly, they missed 12. Against Seattle, they missed 14. Against Arizona, they missed 16. It's bad. That's ridiculous. And we're still one of the best tackles. We're still one of the best defenses in in the league. Yeah. Uh, it's it's disheartening. Um, two things here. There was a little debate going on some some of the media people today because somebody brought up how Jerry Rice um, went on Fred Warner's show and um, you know talked about Brock Purdy and and compared him to Joe and this and that. So th- somebody got into a discussion. I, I I don't I didn't even I was sitting at the desk so I didn't even see who the two people were who were talking about it. But it was a couple of people in the media room. They said, Hey, if you could take any 49er in history and put them on this year's team to help them win the Super Bowl, who would you take? 
And I thought, you know, that's a great freaking di- you know, conversation, even though it's a fantasy conversation. Um, I mean, I, quickly, guys, if I throw that to you, you can take any Niner in history. You can put them on this team to try to win the bowl this year. Who do you, who are you taking? And what? And what these, guys were like, these guys were like calling their year. I'm taking uh, 1992 Charles Haley, and I'm taking, you know, whatever. Who would you, if you could take anybody and add them to this Niner bunch to try to get over the top this year, who would you, who would you add? Pat P. Yeah. Patrick Willis. Patrick, Patrick Willis or Alden Smith? Alden Smith. Like Alden Smith when he had 18 and a half sacks. Ooh, yes. Yeah, that's damn good. Jesse? I, I got to go an offensive lineman. I mean, Mikey Potty, uh, Derek Deese. I mean, somebody, somebody on the interior, probably. Um, or, or, you know, like Joe Staley, if he could play right tackle, so something oh, like that. I'm taking, yeah. I'm taking an offensive lineman. That's, that's a hell of a that's pick. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm taking Joe offensive Staley. Lineman. Yeah. They, they asked me. I said, Dion. I'll, I'll go Dion. Ninety four. Dion. Just because I mean, Dion. Come on, Dion. He was. Just I want amazing. Pat P because he get ejected after the first series of the game. Dion, they didn't even go to his side. It was like kind of ridiculous. Um. Okay. Here's another one. The three of us think we know a little bit about football. I think it's I think it's safe to say that. Okay. I think I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. I think coach feels the same way. I think Jesse feels the same way. We're not walking around going, we know it all, but we all think we know a little something. If Kyle Shanahan invited you into a meeting getting ready for, you know, the playoff run here. And you could, and he said, you know what, coach, Jesse Krug, one suggestion, give us, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear 20, one suggestion. What are you suggesting? Start closing out games regularly with JP Mason and using him in short yardage. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. I That's love that good. one. I, I, can we, can we get Mason, it over with, Coach? Come on, Coach. Come on. How it's, great. How great to JP Mason. We got three games left. You saved them enough. When are you going to use them? What seriously? What this guy beat up somebody, or you know, this guy sleep with somebody's girlfriend, and what the hell? Put him on the field. He's got. I don't know what's going on. My God, what are you? What more? That, do you that's need to that's see? my suggestion, guys. Okay. My suggestion, Jesse. I'll give you a second to think about yours. My suggestion is. Use Debo on kickoffs and use Ayuk on punt returns and stop with that Ronnie was mine. That I was like mine. that. Was it? I like that oh, too. Sorry. I didn't mean to steal you. Our special teams is struggling, man. We're bottom. We're bottom feeders, like twenty eighth. I mean, I I can't watch Ronnie Bell, and I love Ronnie Bell, but Ronnie Bell is is doesn't have enough physical strength to take those big hits and hold on. He's and always Ayuk, tripping. Yeah, and, and he's diving like he dove forward. He's always diving game. all over the place. But I just I I'm, that one worries me. Without Ray Ray, I need a I need a I need a punt returner who's going to catch it for sure, and I need a kickoff returner who's going to you know take a big hit and hold on. And and why not? I mean, you got great playmakers. Let's be honest about this. I got Debo, another one too. Debo on a lesser team would have more touches. Ayuk on a lesser team would have a ton more touches. 
So these guys already haven't touched the ball as much as they could on other teams, just simply because on the 49ers and there's so many weapons. So why not take advantage of their under usage, if you will, by getting them a few more touches on special teams where the game could be lost. I'm going to be sick to my stomach if Ronnie Bell fumbles in the playoffs and it costs him. And I, and I mean, the Kyle Williams he stuff he's got it written him. all over him. He's, he's got, I, I'm getting the Kyle Williams vibe. He's wearing number spin. 10. House Pelly says, don't let Kyle Williams. I mean, whoever number 10 is. Yeah, give me Debo, give me IU. Jesse, Woody on special teams. On the yeah. Oh my God. No, I I listen, that was that was gonna be mine. Uh it was something that my guy Sunil brought up on my show a couple weeks ago. I absolutely love the idea. And it's every week that we've watched Bell, it's more and more obvious that maybe Ayuk should be back there. Although I did hear that in practice today, Ayuk was taking some of those punt returns. So we'll see. He was practicing them. I don't know if that's a normal thing or what, but they made a big hubbub about it on NBC Sports, but I'll I'll give another one. I'll give a bonus one. Start Feliciano at right guard. Stop playing around. I don't care if Burford's healthy or not. He is not the best right guard on this team. It is clearly Feliciano. In fact, Feliciano has graded out very, very high the last couple weeks yeah. and has proven that. We thought that the first time Burford got injured and Feliciano came in, I think it's even more obvious now. We talked about what player we would take from a past team, and I would have taken an offensive lineman. Well, play your best offensive lineman. Feliciano is that. Play him the rest of this run. Don't do the interchanging stuff. Don't play Burford. Play Feliciano. And to support that, I'm looking at the pro football focus grades against the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Feliciano played 56 snaps. They all did. 56 for Banks, 56 for Feliciano. Actually, 54 for Brendel, 54 for McKivitz, 49 for Trent. But Feliciano had a 93.5 grade. Trent had an 84.9 grade. So Feliciano actually graded out against the Cardinals um, higher than anybody else. And it's funny that you said that, Jesse, because I interviewed him today, Feliciano. And I said, I said, Big John, how you feeling? How you feeling, brother? And he goes, you know what? I feel great. And uh, it's all because he didn't play at the beginning of the year. He said, normally, if it's like week 16, I'd be feeling a hell lot worse, but see, that's the advantage. They, they got a guy who was used to playing every game and then they started Burford a bunch. So now here we are December 21st, it's week 16 and they've got a veteran in Feliciano who says that he feels relatively fresh yeah. compared to how he normally feels at this time of the year. So amen to that. I, I love that idea. Feliciano full-time at right guard and, and um, nothing against Spence, right? I mean, he's a good player, but um, Feliciano's a more efficient player, better pass protector, more reliable. Um, and he know, and a lot of it's insider knowledge. Like I was talking to him about different guys that you know that he's faced or that are coming up, and he's like, you know, I faced this guy in Buffalo, I faced that guy in Oakland. I, you know, he's got like a whole like dossier of tendencies on these interior defensive linemen that Spencer just doesn't have. He just got better knowledge, and um, I agree. Go with Feliciano. He's just playing his way through. Spencer get it, but uh, he's a pup, and he's a pup on a very on a very uh, mature team. And as we know, um, sharks are born swimming here. You know, there's three options for you if you're young here. Either you're going to get shelved, you're going to play, or you're going to get moved. That's it, right? So. 
for, and even if you get shelved, we're even looking at you for your soft, you're, you, we're looking at you for your sophomore emergence or your rebound or for you to compound on the little time that you did. So Spence is on, uh, Spencer is on track, but he had, he has had a rough go of it. Some of our best games he played in, but, um, yeah, it's going to be a labor of love with him. And I'm, this is going to be it for him. He's really going to have to show and prove with his body coming into next year, right? Because it's two years in at this stage of the game, you can give him a mulligan for actually changing the position. You can give him a little bit of a reprieve because this is the first time he's actually got the position down as far as the mental capacity is concerned mm-hmm. and his body just didn't follow him. But not next year, we need a full-time starter out of him at right guard or we got to look for something. And, they, and they've got to they've got to have, you know, they're running left with success, which is great, but um, it would be nice if that was a little bit more balanced. So teams didn't know, especially in short yardage, they're running left. And you feel bad. You you feel bad for Spence because really John replaced Spencer, but a lot of a lot of John's um, uptick or why he looks better than Spencer is the experience. You know, uh, you know, allow me to kind of get in geeky with offensive line, but um, the experience of knowing how to play with somebody else and tailor your own skill set next to that player to make the blocks work. That's a that's veteran calibration. That's veteran things from having as many reps as you have to play with guys. And you have noticed that Spencer is more focused on doing his job, which he should, right? But offensive line is more of a teamwork position. You heard what Nick Bosa said conversely with the defensive line. We have to rush as one. Everybody cannot have their own agenda going to go get the quarterback. We have to consider one another. We have to understand spatial awareness and how fast or how slow we want to move. We have to be able to understand what's happening pre-snap so we can be able to supplement for guys who may miss their assignments. These are all things that I've seen John Feliciano do with Jake Brindle with uh, Colton McKivitz on the right side of the offensive line where it's a little bit unintelligent when Spencer's there. And it's not because of Spencer, but it's because I feel as though that all three of them are pretty much dealing with the talent gap, the skill set that they need to have to actually carry out their jobs. But I feel like John kind of brings them together. He knows enough to not only do his job, but to slow up on a scoop bop on the backside to wait for Jake Brindle to get there before he leaves off to get to the top, to go to the next level or on a front side combo with Colton and him. He understands that Colton's a long body. Colton likes to get out quick and he's not going to really give you a lot of time when he gets his hands on somebody before he passes off. So you really got to take more of Colton's body over and overcompensate for the half and half before you push him to the next level. Cause he's really not going to stay. He's going to rely on his length and his speed. Those are things that I was hoping to see Spencer get as time moves forward, and he will get, right? But these are things that John got right away, and you can see the synchronicity and how they move together as an offensive line, particularly with how our offensive line is intelligently made for our unique run scheme, being the wide zone, that um, he is. He, He helps in a lot of different ways. You know, if you had to liken it to an acquisition that we had. Just think about what Alex Max did for us when he came in at center for us, how he kind of brought the line together, started making the right calls, understood not necessarily where 
he could be an asset, but where he could fill in the gaps and help guys do their job better. That's what Alex Mack did for us when he was that center a couple of years ago. And you could kind of see what John is doing for us at that right guard spot. He's shoring up the right side for us. Now, albeit we're not tip of the spear, run on the right side at all times, but really where I've seen John Feliciano be um, advantageous for us is in the pass game. He's been a very good um, asset for us in pass protection. All right, let's hit some supers, and then I got uh, three main questions I want to throw to you and one fireworks question, and then we'll get out. Elite Archer says, Elite Archer 23, I just want to say to the three of you that all this excitement is for naught. Kyle Shanahan's ineptitude when it counts, you guys just sweep under the rug. Boy, you're a buzzkill. Jeez, Elite Archer. <laughs> He's got PTSD. I'm glad you yeah, got green there. He's like, he's like the Grinch that stole Christmas right here. The, Gr <laughs> the Grinch. What about no, I mean, Cindy, I, I, Cindy you know what? Let's go there. I think I think fans, ineptitude for Kyle Shanahan. Ineptitude that might be a little harsh. Yeah, that's a bit much. But I think Elite Archer is coming from a standpoint of at the end of the day, MVP candidacy, number one defense, emergence of Chase Young. You know. Offense doing as best as it can, healthiest as we can ever be. It all comes down to Kyle. It all comes down to Kyle. It all is going to come down to how he's going to call the game, when and if he's going to need to get off his game plan to make an adjustment in the game, and if he does it, or is he going to get in the way and hurt us? That, because think about it. We're getting caught up in the weeds, and it's beautiful, right? What, what is this, week 14? Week 14, week 16, feeling good. Or yeah, 15, right? 15. 15? Week 15, we're feeling good. But at the end of the day, there's only one man that's going to be able to tell us the explanation as to what happened, whether we win or lose, and it's going to be Kyle. So in a sense. Week 16, actually. Yeah, actually 16. Week 16. There's only three games 16. left, yeah. Three games left. Yeah, 16. So in a sense. I feel like elite is kind of getting to the, the meat and potatoes of it all of like, all right, MVP be damned Ravens. Cool. We want to talk about how, how the run game is going to be stopped. The truth of the matter is, is that we're coming in with what we call a genius at head coach. And that's got to count for something when we go and play these games. I understand where he's coming from. Number one, Kyle concern, Jesse, do you have one? What's your number one Kyle concern? I mean, I think that he, like Andy Reid early in his career, has some flubs when it comes to, to clock management, um, using his challenges properly. We've seen it all. I, you know, it's interesting because there's that stat that floats around about, you know, if the game's within X amount of points, they don't ever win and whatever. You know, the stat that stat's going to be pretty bad for most coaches. But what's interesting for Kyle is on the flip side, He's given up multiple leads in that scenario. And and that's definitely one of those things that you have to worry worry about. But if the 49ers do in fact have an elite quarterback, then none of that should be things that we worry about. If you got an MVP caliber quarterback with an MVP caliber running back and the best weapons in football and arguably the best defense in football, I mean, shoot, you should be able to sleepwalk through a Super Bowl victory, really. So, I don't know. My you, think number one, what, you think about what we have. Two MVP candidates, number one defense in the league, number one offense in the league, 
scoring at a ridiculous clip. Number one running back in the league, um, rushing the yards over five to seven pro bowlers on offense, basically 10 to 12 pro bowlers and all pros on this team. On top of the fact that we're having a down year in the NFC and some of the biggest teams right now are missing guys at a la Joe Burrow. We got to get it done. There's really no excuses. There's no, like, this no, is, none. This is it. Like yeah. we, we have to get it done. Like we're not. And then on top of it, for us to like narratives be damn, let's talk about what the facts are. We've never been this healthy as we've been in the league at this time of the season as we have right now. We They're haven't even up, lost. No serious injuries to your no, point. We're yeah. nicked up. Exactly. But no serious injuries. Like until we're, we're used to traversing through seasons, losing starting running backs and, and, and starters like week two. Yeah. Week three, week four. One thing though, we're not the number one D in the league. We're number nine in total D. Oh, uh, hold on. That's yards though. Points per okay, game, yeah. they're number two, which is yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, I'm about to say yards, yards don't put up points. Points put up points. That's I know. hear you. But they're ninth. We're number in yards. one in points, man. We're they're also fifteenth like, in pasty, which is mid pack. Yards. Hey, look, bro. All I'm yards. saying is, is that yards. but still it's fifteen. Right now, out of all of the shoulda, coulda, woulda years, this one seems the most like realistic right now. Like for what it's worth, the landscape no, of who's out there to see us. This is their best chance. No doubt. I feel that way. Do you feel that way? I don't. I totally do. Yeah. I, you know, and they feel that way more importantly than us. They feel that way. Um, and I know that, I mean, I just, just from the players I've talked to, they feel that nobody wants to be the one to screw it up. My fear with Kyle is that the, in, if there's a lot of examples of him not running the ball enough. I think I'm worried about getting involved in a big game with a team that can score and not throwing it enough. And like mm. you've got Purdy and a ton of weapons and throw the freaking ball. Don't give away series in the middle of the game and just be like, Oh, we're going to get conservative and we're going to run. You we're going to run. We're going to run conservative. I, I just want to see them continue to throw it. I, I let you, you know, let it all hang out. Let it all hang out. That would be my thought on it. Um, I feel I'm like a, a lot worried. of the passing game is, con- is is predicated off the fact that teams do respect our run game. They should. They should. Matt McEwen. Is it McEwen or McKeon? McEwen. 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 Matt McEwen says, I'm doing a victory lap. BRB. Be right back. Be right back. <laughs> I know what he's talking about. <laughs> Niner fan, keep the fireworks to a minimum tonight, fellas. I put that up earlier, but I'd throw it again. Um, we got this one. Matt says, well, according to Reddit, the monsters, monsters, the, the, the monsters will be the toughest comp we face this year in week 19. <laughs> but it's new news. You got to get it off Reddit. The elite archer 23 49ers are regular season champs. Guess that's the gold standard now, huh? Jesse. I don't know. I don't know. When did I say that? I don't remember saying that. I don't remember victory lapping on uh Elite Archer the, coming at the you. regular season. Um they gotta win a Super Bowl, man. Elite Archer, I'm with you. I, I mean, I it sounds like you're probably an older Niner fan like I am. It's Super Bowl or bust, man. They they gotta get it done. None of this this NFC championship or making it to the Super Bowl. You could tell and, you could tell and, and those like those happy moments from George Kittle where he's like, I'll be back. No, the F you won't. You better get it done this year. 
Yeah, you can tell who's like new Niners fans and who's been around. Yeah, for sure. They haven't been around. They haven't been experienced and like there's there's more blunders than the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. All right, like this, like these are just the blunders of the Kyle Shanahan era. Okay, there's been other. There's been other missed opportunities. The Ravens Super Bowl alone is enough to tell you that we need to get it done. Like, enough is enough. We've been close. We've been, like, the thing about it is, is that this is what's wild. We've already been the hottest team in the league that everybody's afraid of. Uh, We've had that. We've already been the team that everybody thinks is loaded from top to bottom. And every player that we have is going to the... We did that with Jim. I don't understand why everybody's so shocked and so enamored with what we have now with Kyle. We've done this. Our issue is sealing the deal. That's our issue. So I, I, it just kind of, I don't do this. I don't lash out, but it really does show me what, who I'm talking to when people like really cling on to this regime as if we've never done this before. Like, we've never been this good. Kyle, Kyle's the first person to bring us to, to being a perennial winner. Like, we've done this. It's time to do something different. I want to see I want to see the Niners get the ring for the younger fan. Because I, I, I saw 81, I saw 84, I saw 88, I saw 89, I saw 94. There's people walking around who are 26, 27, 28. They've never seen any of it. They need, so they need one. Them. They, so I, they need one. They, they, and I really feel, and I don't know if I'm right about this, but this is my sense of it, that if the Niners got one, that the, that they would, that there would be a collective. And we'd, then they would go and win. The young monkey off the back thing. Yeah. And they would win at least two more in the next five or six years. I really yeah. believe that. I think they would, they would play for, and everybody would be freer, uh, including Kyle and John. And I think it would be a good thing. Ernest Angulo says, tell Purdy, when score do the cam superman celebration oh, <laughs> you know funny. Oh, that's wow i would love him to do that though. oh that would be i would cheap. love that i would absolutely love that brock brack he brack parody then he come brack parody parody's not a difference maker yeah says the guy who had three winning seasons in 10 and didn't fall on a fumble in his biggest moment Brother Greenlaw, little little decorum, Bob nails and coach. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Purdy profit, not at <laughs> all. Purdy profit. <laughs> I'm going Purdy profit from now on. I'm not. I'm not Yo, going. You caught me off guard. With I'm that not going. I'm, I'm going Purdy profit. Please Purdy muzzle profit. Purdy. Please muzzle Purdy profit after two minutes of Purdy obsession. That was from earlier, as you can. Purdy imagine. Psalms. <laughs> and now. The gospel reading from Purdy Prophet. Brother Greenlaw, Lil Decorum Bob, who basically he was MFer Bob until uh, until until uh, Grant's dad said, Could you please stop that? He said, Have some decorum. So he gave him some decorum. decorum. That's awesome. Little decorum. Yeah. Purdy Prophet would marry, would marry Purdy if Brock Purdy was down too. (laughs) (laughs) This took a weird twist. Very happily married. I don't know if my wife is happy, but I'm happy. Matt McEwen says, till Miami beats a winning team, they're pretenders. I agree. You I know agree what? Here, What's interesting about this weekend's game with Miami and Dallas, they're both fighting to be like in the conversation of not pretenders and actually beating a good team in this year. So 
and and they're trying to prove it against each other. So it's a really interesting game. Whoever comes out of that feels much better and is talked about in a much higher light than what they are at this point. But yes, right now Miami needs a, a win against a, a decent team. Like oh yeah, they haven't beaten anybody. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says more scared of Kansas City or Baltimore, Kansas City. Yeah, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is actually. Yeah, he's still he's still that man, man. That's because like, we're it's, talking about Baltimore, but he's the true guy that he's the one that got away. That's the guy that we got to go slay. That's the drag. Chris Jones against the Niners is like Mean Joe Green and Aaron <laughs> Donald all rolled into one. I mean, Chris well, and they've Jones, got a good defense too. Awesome. That's that's been banged up, and a lot of those starters are coming back on on what's already been a pretty good defense. So yeah. they're going to get improved yeah. as well. They got a really good back end too. Keith they Murphy, do. the unbeaten. I'm more scared of an AFC team than any NFC team. Am I wrong? Uh, no, I don't think you're wrong. I think all nope. the NFC teams are like, you know, you look behind the door and they're not as scary as you think. Dallas, eh. Detroit, no. Detroit's no. a future play. Um, I mean, seriously, when you get into good teams in the NFC and you're like three teams in and you bring up the Rams, you, come on, you know it's not. Detroit's a, a year away. Detroit's a year away. I agree. Um, Keith Murphy, the unbeaten. I think Arms and Hargraves. Hargraves. Hargrave. Hargrave, Hargrave are going to be active this week. Okay. Maybe. Uh, Frank Tom Ocean says, you guys rock. LK, love the backdrop. Thank you, bro. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. The backdrop. Um, I'll be doing commercials, by the way, for the guy who did the backdrop for me because he really did a nice job. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says, Coach, thank you, brother, for always owning that 9-8 and eight prediction. I'm going to stop trolling you, my brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like listen. Two references I, to brother. Can you handle? Is that's that's two two brothers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's virtue signaling. I'll take little, it. But you, you know, it, you know, it's 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 the coded it's the coded language of being a black man. So <laughs> what I'm saying is is that I I, I only bring up the nine and two, eight is because two brothers in one chat and one super. I mean, that's a lot of brother references. There's a lot of brothering. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's a lot of brother. So I'm, I'm surprised he Thank didn't you. hit me with the B-R-U-H, the bruh. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? Right, to, really, exactly. to really tie it home. But Or like a fist pound or something, you know? Yeah. But I mean, the only reason why I keep bringing up the nine and eight is because there was process behind it. Like, I and I give my explanation as to why I gave the process behind what I behind what i saw and it's um, beautiful I, you're you're you called you call it like you see it all the time and when you call yes. it like you see it all the time you're gonna have great victories and occasional losses yeah and that's why like i i i keep bringing it up because i don't ever want there to be a time of somebody can come to me and be like oh well you hid behind no i did not go back it's littered all over the youtubes check it out um and <laughs> YouTubes. Yeah, yeah, I put the S on the end. And uh and for me, you know, I I'm more of a football fan than I'm a football fan before I'm a Niners fan. You know what I'm saying? And I I love this game and I just happen to express my love for this game through the 49ers. Um so uh I I've been pleasantly surprised because the boys are playing above expectation and they're doing an amazing job and you know um, I just want to keep them. I just want to keep seeing them do that. But you know, the things that I saw throughout the season, we're still here in week 15 and we're still talking about it. We're still talking about the Niners cannot stop the run. If they have a team that can really run intelligently against them, they do have them. Well, what I 
miss what I if I had to say the biggest thing that I misconstrued from looking at this year to 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 how I predicted a nine and eight season was number one, I completely misread how successful Brock was going to be in this offense. And I did not give for as much as I thought the offensive line was going to struggle. Colton McKivitz has done a phenomenal job for what I thought he was going to be. So the right side of the offensive line has not been the best side of our offensive line, but they've done way better than I thought they were. And the emergence of John Feliciano is something that I didn't see, but, uh, Adding on Chase Young and Randy Gregory and shoring up the depth of our offensive line helped us greatly, and I'm glad they did it. But you know, I stand by my I stand by my prediction at all times. We're an hour and forty minutes into our live stream. Welcome to the Krug Show, the big show on Thursday night with Jesse and Vish, and of course, Vish is on vacation. Coaches in the house. We're having a good time as we get ready for Monday night. It's going to be a great one. We're brought to you by Pig and a Pickle. New York style Italian sausage, Marin Auto Glass, Underdog Fantasy, and Mojo Fantasy. All right. Gregorius Greg says Larry is back to being Purdy Prophet again. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says, Jesse, you oh, no, this was crossing a line. Keith Murphy, no, Jesse, you messed up as a dad. Why is your son a Ravens fan? <laughs> do, do you want to tell that story? How did he become a Ravens fan? He's In the smart. middle of your in the middle of your Ninerdom in Florida, you would think he would be a Dolphins, Bucks, Jags, maybe. Well, I could see him like walking around with long hair and saying, "Hey, man, I'm Trevor Lawrence and wearing a Lawrence jersey." But no, he's a <laughs> nope. Ravens fan. Why? Yeah, you, well, you can see. I actually had him on the channel this week, and we did about a, a ten-minute pre-recorded interview. He's nine years old, and he explains it, but I'll give a, a brief rundown here. So it's Jimmy Gar Garoppolo's fault, or as he calls him, Jimmy Granopolo. He was playing flag football himself, started playing Madden, used the 49ers naturally, was a big Debo Samuel fan, and Jimmy Garoppolo is really bad on Madden and is not <laughs> fast. And he's like, Dad, Jimmy Granopolo is not very good, and he's not very fast. I'm going to use other teams. I'm like, go ahead, kid. So, of course, he comes across the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, likes what Lamar brings on Madden, starts watching him on TV, and is like, wow, they're actually pretty good also. And the rest is history. That was it. And he is a diehard Ravens fan, let me tell you. I've sent pictures to Coach on Sunday where our couch has a his Ravens comforter. The he's got thing. his stuff. He's a, he's a big stuffed Penguins fan. He always has a bunch of little stuffed Penguins. He's got his Lamar Jackson jersey on a Penguin. He's wearing a Lamar Jackson jersey. Um, he's got his Ravens hat on, a Ravens pillow. Like he's into it, man. It is. It's over for me. He is. What about not the rest of the family? Man. Do you have, you have other kids, right? I do. I have a uh, an eleven year old son who really could care less about football whatsoever. And then no team. Wife, yeah, no team. My wife could care less. Yeah, he doesn't. He does not it's care so about sports. Yeah. Now, does it bother you that your wife doesn't care about football? No, not at all. I don't either. I, you know, it's like my wife can't stand football or she doesn't care. She doesn't want to watch it. Doesn't. And I'm like, you know, people are like, you know, doesn't that bug you? I'm like, bug me. No, the last, I, the last thing I want is, you know, I've got three wide receivers and I can only play two. Who do you think I ought to play? Oh, yeah. Just the idea. You, you know, that. you know, what's interesting though, is my, my wife has never cared. 
But now that my son's into football, she's showing more interest. Yeah, like course. she's asking more questions. And so it's interesting. Like he, he and I, Maddox is his name. He and I will be sitting down watching football games and she'll like stop doing what she's doing from time to time. Watch for like five minutes, ask a couple of questions and then keep it pushing. But I'm like, oh, all right, well, there you go. You're, you're caring a little bit more. So there you go. She's she's uh, her, your son is bringing your wife closer to the mm-hmm. game. Coach. um, I never even asked you, do you have kids and, and do, or do you have a, is your wife or significant other, a football fan? Do you, would you wish that that nah, person was a football She's fan? a me fan, no kids, but she's a me fan. So whatever <laughs> I'm into, that's what she wants to support. So there you go. football is something that she definitely has given me like the full, like, you know, I have a very pragmatic woman. So she lets me know that Super Bowls don't mean anything. A win, in the in- <laughs> a win in the NFL does not help world hunger. Like she's she's really broken down sports to a whole like human level. Like we could do without the NFL and be okay. We don't need it. So I've got that type of woman, but she understands the significance of what I want to be into, and she supports me because of it. So she's a hundred percent into me and what I do with football because she just wants to see me happy. But as far as like the game is concerned, you're not going to catch her cheering for it. Like the way she describes football is so archaic. She just like, these are grown men running around in spandex down a, a painted field in front of fans for no value whatsoever. Like this does not help. This does not help humankind. Somewhat of a literal uh, interpretation, but yes. Yeah. Uh, Like Charlie says, Tell me, tell me, what does a Super Bowl, what's the Super Bowl really worth? Like, what, what happens when you win a Super Bowl? Does anything happen? It's just like, well, well they won. And she's like, right. That, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> we're going to go on a big vacation, honey. Uh, yeah. Charlie says, how about them Rams? You boys worried? No. I'm not worried, but I do get the feeling that maybe the Rams are going to be the team over Seattle or Arizona that contends with the Niners soonest because the Rams, yeah. you know, do have, you know, they've done a nice job. Les needs pretty good. McVay's pretty good. Um, not, I'm a big John Schneider fan, but Pete's kind of seen his better days. Arizona's a tire fire. So, um, the Rams worry me the most, I guess. Matt McKeon, McKeon says, sorry for my, my supers were an hour and 40 minutes ago. Sorry that we Fair. didn't get him in there faster. Elite Archer 23. I've watched them win four Super Bowls. The regular we knew it. OG. We pegged he's it. We knew it. We knew it. The way he was success. talking, you could tell he's been around. And the yeah. NFC Championship showings don't impress me. Finish like the gold standard dictates. Yep. I knew it. I knew you were an OG. Dude, dude. You could tell. Yeah. You're not impressed with any of this. I knew it. I knew it. Here we go. Another old guy here. Brother Greenlaw, little decorum, Bob. Says, screw the MVP. We need another Super Bowl. I'm an old fan. Yeah. I hear That's that. standard, man. I hear that. Enough of the individual things. I mean, I, you get the sense when Purdy ask when they ask Purdy questions, and even CMC, they, these guys, I mean, I know it sounds like, yeah, right, you know, just like the thing that you say, but I get vibes from these guys that, like, the Super Bowl is here, and, like, the MVP is, like, way down here. You know what I mean? Like the Super Bowl is so much the priority for both guys. And I don't think it's contrived. Some guys are me guys, but they they know they shouldn't be. I think these guys are true team guys. 
And the, the, the MVP is awesome, but it's quite a bit beneath. Um, Killa Mig831 says Purdy is 87 overall on Madden now. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe if uh, my son would have started playing two years later, we would have been okay. But uh, thank you, Jimmy. Flav says uh, Maddox still roots for the 49ers when they don't play the Ravens. True. Thank God he never played with Trey. He probably would have jumped ship completely. Oh, my God. Uh, actually, got a lot of Trey actually on he could run the football on that game. So it probably would have helped. But that's uh, that's not the case, unfortunately. He's a Ravens fan, brother. All right. Coming down the home stretch. One of the things that I think is really interesting. Do you notice that just slyly, quietly, the NFL just kicked the NBA right off the Christmas stage? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> isn't, isn't that comical? I mean, uh, literally, it was the it was the NBA's day. And then yeah, the NFL just said, day. oh, wait a second. This is working well. See you, NBA. Goodbye. And now there's there's four three games or four games on Christmas, three, three, three football games. So I mean, come on, uh, I'd love to see I'd love to see the ratings narrative between what the NBA got before the NFL jumped onto Christmas and what they get this year on Christmas. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. honestly, I mean, football during the holidays is dope. I mean, it's just an extension of Thanksgiving, and yeah. I feel like the reason why the NBA had Christmas was because it was kind of like a precursor to the start of their season, kind of like ushering in the football fans into, you know, hey, this is the second part of the season. Let's gear it up. All-star game is coming up. Let's get going. But the fact is, is that the NBA has played around with their competitive edge and the, the parity of their league. And the facts are is that Watching a regular season NBA game is just not enjoyable, in my opinion. Um, the competition level isn't there. Um, it's way too much cronyism. You could you feel like you're not even watching two teams play against each other. You know, um, they all know each other. Everybody's um, I don't this is just a blue-collar perspective where it's like, I'm gonna say something, which is something in the it's a it's a quote in the security world of you know doing security in clubs and strip clubs and all over the places. No sex in the champagne room, man. Like, you can't you can't give up the illusion of what's happening, all right? You can't, you can't break the fourth wall. And the NBA, they break the fourth wall constantly, and it's disrespectful to the blue-collar worker. Like, you're, you can't sit up there and be a multi-million dollar team, billion-dollar team, coach, athletes and portray that to the average working fan who spent a third of their paycheck to come see you play. And that's what the NBA gives off. They give that feeling. And I fear that for our game. I fear that with us too, where you're starting to see these guys come across. Like, I remember like, dude, being on the sideline, if you were hurt and injured, man, you were seen and not heard. And if you were seen your ass had on team gear and maybe some sunflower seeds, now these boys are on the goddamn sideline. It looks like a fashion show. Everybody's got on costume jewelry, over $100,000 rope chains. It's, it's getting to the point where I understand glitz and glamour and the social media age is something where we want to feel as though that we see the raw depiction of how these guys live their lives. But at the end of the day, people want to feel like their team represents them 
And when they stop looking like you, you start asking if they're working hard enough. And I feel like the the NFL taking over the NBA and Christmas is emblematic of that. And the NFL needs to take heed to this because I don't want to lose like the feeling of feeling like these guys absolutely work their hardest to give us a great product, right? I don't want to feel like I'm watching an NFL game and I'm like, well, third quarter, game's over. And you feel it. You see it. And you're like, these guys aren't playing hard. That's what's happening to the NBA. Like, we see it. So that's my TED Talk for the day. Yeah. I, I Just real quick, I think yep. when, you, when you're talking about that, that the, first of all, this is, happens to be on Monday. Right, which which helps things out. Next year, you're not going to have NFL games on Christmas, most likely. So they're going to have another, you know, five years or so before they have to worry about it again. But uh, yeah, the NFL's king. I mean, when even when the NBA playoffs happen, and you have anything that happens in the NFL, it it trumps it big time. So it's just the way it works. I like watching NBA ball, but if there's an NFL game on, I'd rather watch that. Yes, Matt, yeah, no Matt question. says, "Who's weaker, Brendel or Burford?" I don't mean, weaker. I mean, I think if Kelsey wasn't in the league, you might see Brendel get Pro Bowl consideration. Uh, and even though I, I don't think Brendel, I don't think of Brendel you as think a quintessential. Jake Brendel would get Pro Bowl consideration if, if Kelsey was in the league over Christian Berry and all of those well, boys. On he, those guys were in the league last year, and he would, and Brendel was the Pro Bowl alternate. It's funny because I asked uh, Feliciano today about Brendel, what he thought, and he said. If you had if you didn't have Kelsey in the league, Brendel in his mind would be a pro bowler. That's what he said in the interview I did with him. I don't know. I I Brendel's more of a technician than a power center. He's only about 285. Seems like he gets overpowered. I'm really eager to see what he does in this game because DJ Reader overpowered him. And there's a chance chance that Pierce will do the same. Um, but I think Brendel's a better than average center. Let's just say that. Pro yeah. Bowl. I I I I don't know if he's Pro Bowl. I'd say better than average. I don't have a problem with that. And but let's say that they both are weaknesses and they're and they're even. Playing Feliciano, you have to choose where you're going to play him, and right guard is is the way to go because at least you can surround Brendel with two more than competent guards. If you play Feliciano at center, what are you doing to protect Burford? Not a lot. So. By the way, um, this is the part of the show where I'm just going to go, ah! Because you missed the basketball shot or what? No. Oh. The Dodgers have signed Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Oh, the Dodgers got Yoshinobu? 12 years, $325 million. Didn't they just pick up old boy? They just got uh, Shohei. Shohei. Shohei? Yeah. And it's funny too. The, my, the, boy. my boy is about to go the, crazy. Uh, the, you know, people were saying, "Well, you know, Farhan's not going to get outbid." You know, uh, uh, Yamamoto's his white whale. Well, he, he, you know, Farhan, go get a new white whale because your your whales in L.A.'s harbor. Oh man, that just makes me sick. <sighs> we'll do, do it live. Do you, we'll do it live. Do you guys have other teams besides the Niners? Like if I said, who are your teams? Who are your teams? Like I'm a Giants, Niners, Warriors, Sharks. I'm a NorCal sports fan. Okay, what, okay. Those are my teams, and I, and the only one that doesn't make any sense is I'm an A&M fan uh, in college football. But that's just because my neighbor was a big A&M fan when I was a kid, and my dad went to USF. They didn't even have a football team, 
So um, there you go. Those are my teams. Who are your guys' teams outside of the Niners? Ducks and Blazers. Ducks and Blazers. But you lived in Portland. Yeah. That's why you're Blazers. Coach, you're Bama. you're there in the Beltway. Are you a Maryland hoop fan? Are you a Turk nah. football fan? No, Are nah. you a Orioles, Nationals, nah. Nah. Colts? Nah. Bullets? Nah. Nah. Wizards? Nah. No. I used to be a Wizards fan, and that just uh, fell off. It's just too bad all the time. Um, but I'm a Bama fan, uh, Lakers, but I haven't really like been I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, but I haven't really been a Lakers fan since Braun got there. I'm not a big LeBron guy. So it's been hard for me to cheer for the Lakers since LeBron has been there, but I've been like quietly doing it. I do respect his longevity. I respect what he's done for the game, but I just, you know, I'm kind of waiting for him to leave. So I really like my sports like affiliation affiliation is Bama and the Niners, really. Because I don't really have time for anything else. You know me, Larry. I work like crazy. So I don't really have time for anybody. Well, we do that Saturday show. You're always talking Bama. Uh, yes. Kill a MIG 831 says we can all fall asleep watching baseball or basketball. Yeah, I could um, care less about uh, basketball. I mean, excuse me, baseball. I care less about baseball. I mean, I, I, baseball's again becoming less and less relevant. Brother Bob says, tell me you're racist without saying race. Still say Trey. What is that? What's that emoji? He's just rolling his eyes. Still say Trey what? I don't get it. I think just still talking about Trey is what he's saying, I think. Oh, I don't like know. Or Trey sucks or Trey whatever. I don't know. I have no still idea. Still taking shots at Trey is what he's saying. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then we got this one from Frank Tom Ocean. Yank, Dodgers sign Yamamoto. Larry, can you GM yeah. the Giants? I could do a better job of GMing the Giants. The, Gi the Giants seem so entitled, though. I think the biggest issue with the Giants is, is they don't want to accept the fact that a lot of people have problems not with the Giants, but the city. A lot of people don't want to live there. I know. You know, it's it's interesting, too. It's become a little bit of a political football. And, I mean, are you telling me that there's not homeless in San Diego? There is. Yeah. You're telling me there's not homeless in L.A.? There is. There is. Oh, I mean, the tax people, it's maybe the taxes. It's maybe San Francisco's bad uh, PR. I mean, that maybe that has a lot to do with it. Uh, I just think you guys don't want to own your homelessness. Like LA is kind of like everybody gets it at, at San Diego, whatever. But I just kind of feel like San Fran, there's like this, like two separate worlds of the well, homelessness. Also, it's not only that coach. I mean, who makes the decisions in baseball free agents? I mean, it's probably because it's not like uh, NFL where you don't have to live in the city. I mean, like Feliciano, I talked to him today. His family still lives in Miami, but he plays in San Francisco. He didn't move his family. Um, and sometimes guys don't move their family in football. In baseball, the season's so freaking long that your family's going to move with you typically. And um, they don't want to live in San Francisco. It's the, mm. it's the it's the cost of living. It's the drugs. It's the feces. It's the left wing politics. It's the dirtiness. And think about it. Who are they trying to appeal to? They're trying to appeal to wives of baseball players who come from Texas, Florida, Georgia, uh, Southern California. And they're oftentimes conservative people and they don't want to. They, I'm sure in their minds, moving to San Francisco is selling out. I mean, I, it's all guesswork because I don't really know, but that's my that's my theory. And the team's not very good. And um, 
I think the, the, the GM has gotten a bad rap for how he builds. And there's just a lot of reasons to not like San Francisco. And then when you figure out that it costs so much to live here and that it's super, super expensive, it just makes the decision easier. Not that these guys don't have the money. They have more money than anybody. Um, weather taxes weather i mean there's a lot that goes into it you know i mean if you if you don't you can't you can't be what what is what coach what do you say choose a struggle yeah you gotta pick a struggle you you can't be bad at everything you gotta pick a struggle so you you can't be expensive to live at also with not great weather you know a homeless problem and they have everything going against them It, it doesn't like it's hard to to win in free agency there um Kill a MIG 831 says Feliciano looks like Mick Foley. Don't argue with me. <laughs> <laughs> Senior softball game says Larry Danny needs you on his show tonight. Dan Coach Amelia is a friend of mine. He says they're going nuclear tonight on the Giants. Yamamoto signs with the Dodgers. Yeah, I saw. Um, okay. I think that has. Oh, wait. No, we got another one here. Uh, Young Cobra 14. Why the hate for LeBron? That's so weak. Who's hate? Um, first of all, I no, don't. It's love not, but that, but that's. I don't love hold on, LeBron, hold on. But wait a minute. Like, that's why that, I feel who's that, that way about LeBron. Who's that? Who's that meant? We for? on we on a Niners you? stream. I said something, and I definitely gave respect to LeBron before I even said something. And his minions still found a way to infiltrate <laughs> infiltrate the chat. Like, bro, like it, it, that's why I feel the way I do about LeBron because it's just it's too reactionary. It's too much. Like. You can't even be critical LeBron, of LeBron without somebody like hopping down your throat. You can't have like an honest, sobering thought about how you feel about him without somebody questioning your motives or or saying something personal about you. Like it's become like a little unfun. He kind of represents that. His shtick almost kind of like represents that because of his fan base. And it's disheartening because I don't even think LeBron is that type of person, but his fan base kind of just makes it unwelcoming for people who like want to see about him. Kind of almost like Brock Purdy. I love LeBron other than the immediate and ridiculous discussion about, is he better than Jordan? I don't, I don't, I don't just don't tell me he's better than Jordan. When I watched Jordan, I watched, I watched all of Jordan and all of LeBron. And Jesse, I do know that you're more pro LeBron than Jordan. I know we already got into this discussion. Are we gonna get into this? I know Jesse gonna to call me, me LeBron and be like, me, so you I, was that's the only, all this shit about LeBron. I, I love LeBron. I, I think LeBron I, is LeBron's I don't a great really guy. Like LeBron he does as a right. basketball player. I, he, everything, everything about LeBron's fine. He's, great. I, he's a great player. I just don't like that 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 comparison to Jordan. You want and and if you want to compare him to Magic, who was awesome, I'm all for it. I, I think that's a great comparison. I debate it and this and that, but whatever. But the Jordan thing, when Jordan was the better scorer and a way better defender, I, I can't go in the Jordan. Uh, if, if, every, if, we didn't, if we could talk LeBron and praise LeBron without putting him up against Jordan, that's I, I think that the only pushback you get is there's so many people in their 40s and 50s who saw all of Jordan's career just Jordan didn't say put me on a winning team. Jordan made the team he was on a winner, and the Bulls were not a winner before. So I think that's where that's where I push back on LeBron. I think LeBron's awesome. Um, I love him. I think he does great things. I think he's a good person. I think he's you know whatever he he um, he's a little full of himself, but everybody would be if you had that many people kissing your butt. He's a billionaire. 
Yeah, and I just don't like the Jordan thing. If you if if we could just take away the Jordan LeBron thing, then I love LeBron. I got no problem with LeBron. Um, young Cobra says, "Coach, you're wrong. You brought it up in a 49er chat and talk about how it's his fault. I'll, um, I'll, I'll for the people that has his back. I'm not sure what that means means, but well, he got um, asked a question about what team he follows, and yeah. he said. He said the Lakers, but he's not the biggest LeBron fan, even though he appreciates him. And so he hasn't been watching. I don't the really Lakers follow the Lakers as much since LeBron has been there. I mean, yeah. I chimed in for the bubble chip. That was cool. But outside of that, it's just I mean, we hung a we we hung a in tournament. Like we hung an in season tournament banner the other day, bro. Like <laughs> come on. The in season but that was an NBA thing. That was an NBA thing. They requested that. Uh, yeah, what, man. Next? I what's just the bird, you know, I, I, and for Bron to sit there and act like he didn't care. But in the locker room, you was popping champagne with the goggles. It's like, were they really? Yes. To me, the bird gauntlet in the NBA in the NFL is more prestigious than the uh than that that championship. All right, last question since it is just a couple days before Christmas. I'm a dad and, of course, I've been a kid. We've all been kids. Jesse's a dad. Coach, you don't have kids, so you're not a dad. But And, and Jebus, Jebus says 49ers versus Eagles had a vibe like no other game. The season bad blood is good That's for true. competitive sports. That's true. That what is, that's what is slowly going away these days. I agree. Yeah. I like, I'm a big fan of bad blood. Um, best, before we get out of here, best Christmas present, either that you gave or that you got, what was the Christmas present that you got excited about in your mm-hmm. life that you, you, it could, you could go back to your kid, you know, being a kid, or you could talk about being a dad and giving your kid something. What is the, the most, ex, most exciting or the most excited you ever were for a Christmas I'm, present? I'm going to, I'm going to be selfish here and go back to when I was a kid. And the only reason is because my kids, I love giving them presents, but they're still at that age where like they ask for kind of like chintzy toys that really right. they're not going to play with. They don't really have taste. You know what I mean? They don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So not quite there yet. Uh, and it's funny that you bring this up because I went out to dinner with my family tonight and I was asking my kids the the best present that they've ever gotten. And I was giving the best presents I've ever gotten. And for me, the best present I think I ever got was, and they've become popular again over the last couple of years, but the uh, indoor, the the pop shot, the electronic basketball game with the the ramp, you know, where the ball rolls down and you got to shoot it and whatever else. Yeah. Man, I had so much fun with that thing. Me and my friends would stay up, have all-nighters, just competing against each other on pop shot basketball for probably four or five years. That was by far the best Christmas present I ever received. That's a good one. I want to, I want to say, for me, I'm gonna go childhood too, and I'm gonna go sixth grade, ninety six. <laughs> okay, I got a BB gun. I got a rifle, airsoft pump BB gun. Did and you shoot your eye out, dude? There wasn't in the sixth grade, li- dude. There wasn't a living <laughs> bird. Or cat in my neighborhood <laughs> over a year. 
I'm talking about, bro. I was John Lee Malve, Malvo, dude. I was shooting from cover from the bedroom. The like, current show would like to apologize to all cat owners throughout the greater dude, United States. I was a menace. Yo, my dad, my dad, my dad is 25 years uh, retired uh, uh, sheriff department, sheriff's department. My dad's a retired cop. So, like, dude, my dad be like going to work on the way to work and he, He'd be like going past the driveway, finding like dead crows in the trash. Like, man, you've been shooting these birds from your bedroom, bro. I had like a nice little perch sitting with cover. Oh, man, me and my little brother, he was my spotter. He's like, yo, I think I see a cat over at the Johnson's neighborhood. I'm like, yo, is he in the trash? Set it up, baby. Like, yo, is this where the bang bang came from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that was hands down the best gift, man. Like, I'm telling you, we got rid of, we exterminated all trash raiders in my neighborhood when I got that rifle. Oh, God. Gold Tau just said somebody killed my cat. All right. Oh, <laughs> you damn um, right. Okay. Um, I, as a kid, now I was born in 70. So mid 70s. You know, when you're a little kid is when it's Christmas is the biggest, right? I got, when I was five years old or six years old, the Planet of the Apes treehouse. And it had the, it had the action figures. It had, it, it was really cool. And somebody put it together for me, like before, like somebody spent the night putting it together. Oh. So I like, opened it up and I can immediately play with the Planet of the Apes treehouse. Awesome gift. But I would say the most excited I've ever been is I bought my kid, my oldest son, Kev, I bought him like one of those like tri tricycles, but like the kind that are super, like super, almost like for adults. Like you ever mm -hmm. seen the, that race where the adults oh, yeah. get on tricycles, but they're the ones with the fat tires and everything. Yeah. It's, anyway, it was a re really expensive tricycle when he was a little kid, but I bought it and it was awesome. It was blue. And, and the thing just, it went a million miles an hour and it, it just, I remember I was, I guess he's opening it up. I'm like, he's opening the tricycle. My wife's like, get a grip, you know, <laughs> get a grip, uh, you know, but there you go. I gave him this tricycle and it was spectacular. Hold on. All so right. was the planet of the apes trice, uh, treehouse. Yes. What, treehouse. Was it a Lego set or was it like a real, no, no, it was like a real action figures. And it, it was almost kind of like a, like my, my sister got the Barbie townhouse, and I got the. Oh no! So it was like so it was like action figure size. Action figures, Cornelius, the very wise, the very wise ape. Oh, I'm looking at it right That's now. That's it. That's this it. Is legit. That is it. I'm Where'd looking at it right that? now. Yeah. That's, it, that's it. exactly it. You got you. Oh, got you. Got you spread away, Larry. I love that man. See that kid's face? That was me. He geeked. Oh, I like love it. This, this thing, this you can tell it's the 80s. It had a swing. Bro, no, 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 no. Look at this. Door. It was awesome. This is the this 70s. Thing, this 70s, thing yeah. unopened. Hold on, hold on. This thing unopened goes for $4,500 right now. If you had an unopened set, you really? could sell it for $4,500. Yes. Wow. That's crazy. This is sick, Larry. Oh, it was a great gift. It was a great gift. I just, I sat there. My parents even said, you know, like I wouldn't even come to dinner. I was just like Planet of the Apes Treehouse. <laughs> Planet of the Apes in the mid seventies was huge too. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, I think we were almost done here with the supers, but we had a few more at the, on the back end. 
me just get a lot the last ones. Uh, where was the last one we hit? You're on a golden towel. I think, I think you're on golden towel. I think young Cobra says coach. You're wrong. You brought it up. Yeah. 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 We saw that one. We got the next one. We saw this one. Yeah. Golden Golden towel. Towel. Okay. Golden towel. 49ers hanging week 15 banners. (laughs) (laughs) Brother Bob, not a super, but he says, wish Santa would muzzle Purdy's profit. Thank you. (laughs) See what I did there. Young Cobra says coach, no hard feelings. And I respect your opinion. Brock for MVP. All day, baby. I love the I love the feedback. Brother Bob says I'm sending Purdy Profit a Brock Purdy blow up doll and a muzzle for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Matt McEwen, Merry Christmas to everyone. First Nintendo was the best. Oh yeah, Nintendo. Oh, Super Nintendo was the was the one, man. Oh my God, dude! Remember Andy, when PS Man, Mortal Kombat, like dog. before the Mario Kart first came out. Do you guys remember oh my the, God. the Mattel Electronics football? The which one? Where was it? The Mattel Electronics Football One and Football Two. The Football One was white. The Football Two was green. You could pass. No, you I never saw had those that. Mattel Electronics games, uh-huh. handhelds. No, mm-hmm. awesome stuff. Um, here we go. Classic laser tag helmet. Look it up. It was bad. Oh, hold <laughs> up. Look that De- up. Because De- laser De- tag drums. used to be off the chain, dog. Laser tag was like the first virtual reality. <laughs> like it was like the first VR headset. Guys, that does it for us. Hey, what do you got cooking on the channel the rest of the week? Ooh. We got Niners on Monday night. Coach, you're still hanging with me Saturday at 9 a.m.? Yeah, we're going to do Saturday, 9 a.m., 12 p.m. Eastern. Then we're going to do a call-in show, 3 p.m. right after that on Saturday. We're going to do tomorrow. I have a show, uh, uh, The Faithful Review with Tom Jensen. And we're going to do the walkthrough. I'm thinking about probably doing the walkthrough either on Sunday or Monday. I don't know yet, but I'll keep you guys posted. Jesse, I'm looking what up that. Cooking? I'm looking up that helmet, man. It looks straight out of Star Wars. No, 19, dog. 1986 is what I'm looking at, uh, and it was spelled L A Z E R. Just for the record, uh, Diami Drums. But uh, yeah, for me, man, I'm I'm chilling. It's it's Christmas weekend. Uh, I'm gonna have to do a, a post game on Christmas Day. Watch the game with my son. Man, I've put in a lot of work this week. If you haven't watched it, I highly, highly recommend watching two things if you want to know more about the Ravens. One, the video I did with my son was awesome. My favorite video I've ever done on the channel. And I did Behind Enemy Lines this week on just actually last night with a phenomenal Ravens content creator. I've done a lot of those shows. That might have been the best one this year. It just really? might have been. So, what yeah. was so good about that one? Uh, he was just he was super, very knowledgeable. He, 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 all these guys are pretty knowledgeable. Yeah, that's it. All these guys are pretty knowledgeable that I bring on. But him, he he was he was just so good <laughs> as far as like what he knew. He's also got like forty thousand subs, so like he knew how to carry the show and keep it going and and when to cut himself off. Like like he's just he was a pro, man. He was an absolute pro. And also because he hooked his channel up to the chat, I was able to talk a lot about the, what the 49ers bring to the game. It was just really good dialogue, really good back and forth. So I enjoyed it's it. It's always cool when, when you can get some good dialogue. Um, <laughs> Brother Bob says, Purdy Prophet, you really missed meals for Planet of the Apes. No cap. <laughs> I did. I really did. Um, 
I wouldn't now, but maybe I, if now looking back at it, I wish I never opened it and I could sell it for 4,500 bucks. <laughs> I was an idiot. Um, hey, check me out in the morning. I got streams tomorrow at 8 a.m. at 1045. Also tomorrow I'm on the radio. So check me out on 95.7 The Game. I'm doing afternoon drive tomorrow uh, from 2 to 6 p.m. Saturday with the coach. Sunday is Christmas Eve. I'll just be you know doing family stuff. No streaming on Christmas Eve. And then uh, Christmas Day, I will be at uh, Niners Ravens and we'll do a little post game. So check that out as well. Uh, for Jesse and Coach, I'm Larry. Have a great night, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And on a serious note, you know what? Drive safely during this period of time. You know, there's a lot of people that, unfortunately, you know, you go out, you have a good time, you get behind the wheel. Don't be that guy. You know, um, be, get an Uber, get a whatever, get a ride, sit on the couch, watch stuff, go watch streams, stay off the roads. So let's everybody stay safe. Uh, because all three of us have a lot to be thankful for in uh, 2023 and 2024. And the growth of all three of our channels is is uh, something that we all want to be around for. And we want you guys all to be around for as well. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to Jesse. Thank you to Coach. Guys, you got a final thought on the way out of, way out of Dodge here? 24-29ers. They're winning on Christmas. 24-29ers. Coach. Same thing. I got 19, 19, 10 Niners. It's going to be a real tough. I'm going 31, 21 Niners for everybody else. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked.